very, very challenging being a co-host, producer of a podcast about video games when you're playing video games, but you got to stop because you got to just got to do your job. Yeah, that that's pretty topical for me because I would have totally been playing something, but I was like, I I'm not gonna get much time, so I should just wait. Yeah. I was, and when you when you text me uh, what time we were starting, I was, well, right in the middle of my conversation for the night. Whenever mm-hmm. I or my topic, well, not topic, but my week, right? Uh, had yeah, uh, we'll we'll get into it. <laughs> we'll get into it. Chris, how many times in your life have you spent more than? Well, a, a better question. Okay. What is the most expensive place that you've went to eat? Now, bear in mind, I don't mean that you went somewhere and you bought like seven, eight dishes and then your right. bill came out to be 120 I meant it's like you and your significant other and or children and with a meal apiece and a drink apiece, you spent like, I don't know, 140 160 bucks. I don't think I've ever been to one that was that extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, I know down in New Orleans, some of the uh, restaurants down in the French Quarter can be pretty pricey. That's just, just kind of because of the area. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah, I, I've never really had a reason to visit one of those more expensive places. I consider it like a bucket list thing for me. Uh, I have... Uh, like family and laws that eat at places like that. Mm-hmm. And I've had family on my side as well that eats expensive places like that. I haven't done it yet. I may be in the future just again, just to kind of carve it off the bucket list. I really want to know what it's like when I spend, you know, $75 on a meal. Yeah. And yeah, you, you know, it's not going to be a very big meal either. It's going to be one of those where it's like, all right, here's your $70 steak, and it's like the size of a 50-cent piece. Yeah, but it's extremely focused and concentrated flavor, though. Like, specifically targeted. It's Sure. Yeah, yeah. I get why they're designed that way. and uh, you know, Maybe, maybe going to be trying it one time. I just beating around the bush. My <laughs> wife has a birthday coming up very, very soon, and we decided to go eat at a fancy, fancy, fancy restaurant for, mm-hmm. you know, like we just said, for the first time in both of our lives, really. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, again, I'm just at a place where I can afford it. Plus, it's our birthday. Of course, I'm going to spend yeah. some money on my wife. But this is another one of those. This is also one of those times in life where I'm like, all right, all right, Fantastic Four of the movie. Let's see how you are. You better blow my fucking socks off. That, that's a bad example because I don't know what this food's going to be like. And mm-hmm. Not everything can be as horrible as that. Fair. But, yeah, uh, I, I had to specify that at the beginning because there have been times where either, like, I've been out and have bought food for people. Like, just give me the ticket situations. Or... I've gone to places that have multiple dishes. Like, man, it's especially if you're eating quality sushi. Oh, it's easy to rack up a sushi bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get, you know, you and your significant other go to a Japanese restaurant and you eat hibachi. There's twenty five, thirty five dollars right there a piece, and then you get sushi 
anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 dollars maybe even a piece you know you get five six rolls and two hibachis oh yeah and the tip and you want to tip the sushi people and you want to tip the hibachi girl oh yeah oh yeah yeah it adds but up. just but just being you know hey one plate of spaghetti and one steak two drinks one dessert maybe 160 bucks yeah i've never done that i've always whoo that's something that's a lot of fucking oh it's yeah. a lot of money man that's at least you know three video games that food better inspire me to do a podcast episode. You feel me? <laughs> yeah. That's that's exactly what I should. I better, I better be wanting to take notes while I'm eating the food. Yeah, we should need a tangent episode for that. Precisely. There we go. Expensive diners. <laughs> Expensive dining from an end of time cast. Chris, how was your week, man? Pretty good. Uh, very stressful. Um. But overall, good. I've uh, I've been working on Persona Five Hundred Percent. I should Five Hundred Percent. I should have it done by now, but I was busy with the you know D and D side. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 hundred percent went a lot faster once I got to a certain point, and uh, you had mentioned before the you know Reaper that killed you because you fell asleep playing or whatever mm-hmm. uh there's actually a semi exploit you can do to farm him yeah i've read something about the fucking flu season yeah it can like it like it puts him to poison and Despair. you run away and you fight him again and you poison or some shit like that it, it, you you fight him and you run away until he gets to the despair status effects so after three turns he just dies what yeah how much? What does he? What does he give? Oh, it's like seventy five thousand experience each time. Oh my god! Really? Yeah, and a bunch of money. So I did that and got level ninety nine pretty quick. Holy shit! So after that, the game was a breeze. You know. Well, if I remember <laughs> right, yeah, didn't that? That's only in like December, right? There's a three day window in November and a three day window in December. Uh, I actually almost messed up because I ended up doing it on the last day of the November stuff because I was working on other things and Mm -hmm. I ended up on the last day of November's window going, oh, wait, I should be in mementos. Yeah. So I went and did that. Um, I have on my New Game Plus file currently, I have uh, all the possible confidants at that point done. I am done with the uh, cruise ship. Or the ship, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, the only... I have played all the video games. I've done most of the trophies for, like, all the sodas and stuff. I still need to read, like, two books, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a little worried about the books. I might actually have to load an earlier save just to have enough time for that. Because I'm quickly getting to that point of, okay, nothing but cutscenes until you have, like, one day. Yeah. Um, before you yeah. have to do the final area. I'm 80% done with the uh, Persona list, the compendium. Uh-huh. I have, uh, my window wants to open. Uh, and of course, it's not going to work right now. I have like 24 uh, Personas left to get. And they're pretty much all from combining. And I've uh, I've got like the top five in the game. 
Yeah. So I'm pretty close to doing that. I still need to deal with the twins. I've maxed them out as far as a confidant, but. Have you been doing a guide to do the, like, the all the personas that you wanted? I'm guessing you've been yeah. using guides, period. Yeah. I uh, there's a There are several websites that give you information on the personas, but there's one that's really good because it gives you all the possible combinations to get that one. Um, and I was able to just basically copy and paste into Excel. You right there? Oh, okay. Um, I... Uh, I guess I got to put in some kind of sound effect right there so they know what you're <laughs> talking about. Maybe I'll put like a plane crashing or something. Sorry. No, that's uh, fine. I, but I was able to copy and paste into Excel and then just started, you know, basically highlighting the ones I had and going through and looking for things. The biggest thing right now for me is money because that is expensive summoning them over and over and over. Uh, oh, yeah. The highest tier ones are like 70000 plus each. And mm-hmm. that's with even getting a higher discount because you get a discount, uh, not only the one from the confidant that you get that's like mm. half off, uh-huh. but you also get ones at every twenty five percent of the compendium you complete. Yes, nice. I don't know how much it is of a difference it is, but I've got you know the seventy five percent completion one, so all that's left is a hundred percent for me. Yeah. Um, so even as cheap as they can be without being done, they're still up to eighty thousand, and I need. To buy like this one, I think like four or five more times. So that's so much money. So yeah. I've been grinding out money, trying to do negotiation, and all that. And that's really the longest part of it. I would probably be mm-hmm. done if I had the money. Are you through conversation paths or storyline paths or anything extra? Are you deviating from your first playthrough to see different avenues of? dialogue stuff like that so i as far as confidants i'm just doing whatever maximizes the stuff their dialogue doesn't really get all that different um Mm -hmm. you still get the same story as far as the actual story goes though i have picked different options here and there and i Mm -hmm. did actually watch the bad ending Uh which is kind of disappointing because it just kind of fades to the it it doesn't fade it goes to the uh velvet room uh-huh. But instead of being the normal, just straight to game over, you know, you died game over thing, it actually yeah. plays a little bit of dialogue and then it's the game over, you know, and uh, it actually plays okay. the credits. So it's a true huh. ending, um, right. which I talked about before. They count, you know, dying as an ending. That's not an ending. Um, yeah, that's quote unquote an ending. Yeah. So this actually played the credits afterwards. So it's a true bad ending. Um, I haven't gotten far enough yet to do the other one where you make the choice uh, in the velvet room. Mm-hmm. But I'll do that once I get there, you know, save beforehand. Well, you save anyway, because it tells you this is as far as you can go or something like that. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to watch that one too. I think I've, I don't think there's a whole lot else to do. Uh, in a lot of conversations, uh, or at least, you know, going towards that bad ending that I watched, there's only one dialogue option that mattered. If uh, I if I pick the the other there's like five dialogue options you pick, but only like the first choice you make matters, then you can just <laughs> choose whatever you want from the others. Right, right. I always felt in my playthrough when it came to the actual storyline 
choices. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I was making the wrong choice because <laughs> my party members would be like, they'd say something that was like, oh, man, you hurt my feelings or, oh, no, why'd you say that? Or, oh, no, not not that, this. And I always felt like I was picking the pretty much the right thing to say or the mm-hmm. decent thing. And then somebody would be butthurt or get their feelings hurt or, or it's like, well, yeah, man, duh, I know that, but here's this. And, uh, yeah. I figure if I ever go through another playthrough, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go straight Darth Sidious and just be <laughs> fucking evil as fuck and just piss people off or be mute or whatever. Yeah, trying to think... be the asshole because damn, apparently according to them, already was. Yeah, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. You get like one more line, like when you're talking about. I know one of the times where you get sort of obviously different, you know, dialogue is when you're talking about the names of a palace uh, or the keywords rather. And you pick one that's not the right one. They're like, that doesn't sound right. But then you just yeah. go back and someone else will suggest it. So it's like, yeah. all right, we got there anyway. So I always got the feeling that it was along the lines of we're coming up to the question. Here are your answers. Here's the responses for those answers. But they all funnel to the next part of the sentence. Yes, exactly. You know, it, they always funnel from your answer. They give you something that's personalized to the answer you picked. But it's still going to that. You know, if they if they say where do you want to go, and you got left or right as a pick, if they want to go right, they'll go. Yeah, left is a good idea. Let's go right. You know, shit mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, it was nice getting to finally see all of the confidant stuff, and that includes every romance option at once. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, the only ones I don't have maxed out are the ones you literally can't because they're part of the story. Yeah, um, I finally did the last one like the day before I'm. Um, my current save when I went uh, where Mementos doing my grinding for the compendium. And it's going to be close for the reading. Um, and I've also have to figure out why I haven't gotten the trophy for crafting all the infant- infiltration tools yet. Um, I actually reloaded my save because I crafted them and it didn't pop. So I was like, okay. So I'm going to, instead of wasting that, you know, time period, I just reloaded. I'm like, all right, I'll buy more materials. So I can try to craft everything at one more time just to make sure. But it's not easy to get all of the materials. You know, I have to do some grinding just for those if I don't have them after my money grinding. grinding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> I'm also close on time for the lockdown trophy. Because uh, I literally just unlocked that. Mm-hmm. And based on what I was reading, the... The time you have to wait for it to be ready, it doesn't count the days it auto does stuff. Okay. So the days you can't actually go out and do something, uh, when it's just, you know, meetings or whatever where you go, all right, now you have to go to bed. You don't have a choice. Those yeah. days don't count. No, that's nice. But that's almost all I have left. So <laughs> it depends on if I'm able to, because I read, I actually looked up, you know, how long it would take. And someone said, based on your confidant level, it would shorten the time. Well, most of the mine are at 10. So if it starts at 11 days and I have 10, that should be one day. But um, I, I went to Velvet Room the next day and nothing. It's like, oh, nothing's changed. So you don't want to take it out yet. So I might have to load an earlier save, do all of the twin stuff to max them out again. Cause I just did that mm-hmm. just to get that trophy. But yeah, so I'm, I'm close. <clears throat> It's just cleaning up all the last little bits. Still having fun? 
Um, I say I was until I got the confidants done, and now it's a grind. Uh, yeah, but it's that last little bit, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, and plus, I mean, it, if a completionist run or a hundred percent run, whatever, whatever terminology you want to put to it, it's not always. It's for, for me, it's always felt like a different kind of fun. You know, like I, I'm a collectathon guy. I do enjoy going around and finding all the feathers and all the books and all the pages and all that shit. I like doing that, but that's a different fun to me than oh man, I wonder what the deal is with Ryuji, or I wonder what the deal really is with Futaba, or whatever in whatever other game. You know, there's intrigue and everything when you're first going through a game. There's curiosity and new things. Mm-hmm. But when you're going through and actually 100%ing everything, unless you find new bosses like, you know, extra bosses and whatnot, it's not all. It's, 100% run is not always for straight entertainment. Sometimes yeah. it's a fucking goal and you're like, I'm getting that. I'm getting that goal. No, man. Speaking of the bosses thing, I mentioned I have to deal with the twins still. I've actually done that fight, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the all the personas I've. Uh, collected mm-hmm. in the last day or in game day, so I was doing it with even though I was level ninety nine with pretty powerful personas. I discovered that enemies can do an all out attack as well. Yep, and yep. I got insta killed. <laughs> so that was fun, and that was Did after you lose a lot of progress. Or I mean, you don't that fight doesn't actually game over you. It just kicks oh, yeah, you back yeah, yeah. at one yeah, health. Yeah. Um, but I spent. It ended up being, because they keep track of the turns, you are able to survive. And it was 17 turns. Yeah. So I'd spent a good 20 minutes probably fighting them at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a pretty difficult fight because they will, uh, the first time you get one of them to 50% health, the other one will heal it back to max. Yep. And they have 8,000 health, so that's 4,000 damage that was just completely restored. Mm-hmm. Um so I got both of them to that point, got, and they were both healed, and I was starting the second grind down when I just got murdered because all the weaknesses got hit. So. Yeah. But I should be fine uh, when I go back. And I actually was going to do that today, but ended up not playing, so I'll probably do it tomorrow <laughs> or Saturday, depending on what I'm doing. I've, yeah. I've been spending a lot of time with D&D stuff, so I may be doing that tomorrow instead. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm so so off on my schedule because I'm thinking, dude, why don't you do it tonight if you're off tomorrow? I'm off tomorrow because I'm taking, <laughs> I've got Friday and Monday off. I have a four-day weekend and I keep thinking like today is Friday, like physically Friday and it's not. So, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I know that I know that feeling. It's like, man, I'm not going to be, I'm, not, I'm just not going to have time and I don't want to start because once it starts, I'm not going to want to stop mm-hmm. for a while and I, if I can't dedicate a good long play session, it's all right, man. Just go fucking jump into Mighty Number no. Nine again. There you go. Just <laughs> bust out a few Mighty Number no. Nine levels. Man. I'll pass. I'll uh, get to mine eventually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, D and D. I spent yeah. a lot. I spent a lot of time this past week, which is why I didn't get any further on Persona Five world building and stuff, and preparing for last night's session. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. uh, and. In that same time, I am now caught up on Critical Role. I'm on the last episode. I have less than an hour left. Congratulations. So I'm officially done with Campaign 1 and an hour and a half uh, from being caught up on Campaign 2. 
Nice. Uh, nice. It's, it's crazy the uh, story they built over the uh, campaign and how I it all bet. culminated. I bet. Very, I very cool. Matter of fact, let me look at it. We'll just minimize this here. I am two and a half hours into episode 29. Nice. And yeah, I, yeah, I was just, tr- I was, I started tracing back like where they were now, just, just a thought train, you know, where they are now. Well, yeah, what did they do before this? And it's like, oh shit, they did this. And before that, they did this. Before that, they did this. Before I was like, oh shit, 30 episodes, but damn, they are, they've done some shit. And they're like, they remind you that, yeah, this group has done another campaign before this, well, which that- I guess isn't. Because if I remember right, their characters are like, they met somewhere else and they played another campaign, but it's not recorded on Critical Role? I, I don't know. I don't so know. this is a continuation of their home campaign. They didn't have a different campaign. This is just the next. They started uh, okay. at level nine uh-huh. or something like that. Mm-hmm. The first nine levels had been in their home game off screen gotcha. over the previous however long. Uh, gotcha. And then from 9 to 20 is on the uh, Critical Role series. So as far as Critical Role series goes, episode 1 through whatever, 115, that's actually like episode 30-something because they've had time before yeah. that where they did a whole part of that campaign. And then they just, oh, hey, we may, we're in this campaign. Let's start recording this now. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. They okay. Not, Before they were on the Pathfinder, and I think... I don't know if they started 5E when they started Critical Role or if that's something they had just started transitioning to. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how the timing of that worked out, but it was yeah. around that transition time. Uh, so they were still getting familiar with 5E rules and whatnot. A lot of... Uh, you, you pick up a lot while watching this, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I picked up a lot just watching the just the general flow of how things goes. It'll give you... it may, it is exactly what it is. It is people playing Dungeons and Dragons, and it will give you a very direct and general idea of how a session will will go. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're ever questioning in your head, like, <clears throat> excuse me, what is the rolling like? What is the story? How does the story go? How does the progression go? What is it like when you do something wrong? What is it like if you want to do something that you can't do? What if you don't know something? What about it? It's everything. You could just start with episode one and get a, this is what it's like. It's not this. There are other variations. There are other ways to play it. There are other DM styles. There are other player styles. But I feel that this is generally how it goes. You know? Yeah. Yeah, And it's it's a authentic experience, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many funny moments, man. So many awesome moments. I I really need to start jotting down. I need to start taking notes as I'm watching this series because, man, the the Grawl, uh, Grawl getting into a fight in that arena and then losing. Oh, God. Wait, spoilers for Critical Role. <laughs> this is a, kind of a big deal because, well, I say spoilers, but 115 episodes times three hours, that's roughly, th- it's close to 400 hours worth of content. Mm-hmm. I'd have to say a lot to spoil a lot, but still, in any event, I never want anybody to get spoiled on anything that I'm personally responsible for. Spoilers for Critical Role, but 
Grog going to that arena and then losing, like, down to the wire, losing yeah. to that fucking orc, having the, like, comeback queen shit with the one hit point, <laughs> and then rematching later and the victory, I was like, yes, yes, awesome. Uh, yeah. the, the, the antics that they get into, hearing how they use their characters and how Matt will go with it, or not go with it or correct them and it just it it's how i look at players and sdms as a whole and how i would like things to be you know matt doesn't go all right little hold, hold on now you can't do that just because you think you're a druid okay this is what the book says he's like he gives reasons like no you can't cast that spell right now because you are falling from the sky at 80 miles an hour <laughs> and you have just taken a, a lightning bolt to your gut. You are in pain and you're falling. Sorry, but your concentration is not that good right now. And I'm like, yeah, there you go. Shit like that makes sense, you know? <clears throat> uh, watching how they will... You can see that Matt will have a, a path or even a couple paths and they're going to take it, but they start doing something else and on the fly, making up names, making up a whole story, making up everything. I remember one uh, I watched either yesterday or the day before. They went somewhere. They did something. They went through this whole battle scene. They won. They left the area, and Matt pulled out like four maps. He was like, oh, here's the maps for the areas that you were going to go, uh -huh. but you didn't because you went this whole new path. And they were like, no, no, no. We're sorry. He's like, no, 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 don't be. I'm just, I'm, I'm just always prepared. Always be prepared. Oh yeah, because you never know. And that's when he was still using the big paper maps. Right. He's very good at guiding people. Like he knows when to make time go fast. He knows when to say, hey. He knows how to guide if he thinks you're gonna go wrong. He knows how to be like, uh, you don't need to do this right now. <laughs> you, you need to stop. You're about to go up against an elder dragon. You might want to turn around. That's not what happened. But giving an example. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's also, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you can't do it for an obvious reason, again, you can't cast something while you're falling, you know, with people. Or if you just, if you can, he'll be like, okay, go ahead. And if your roles don't pan out, yeah, sorry, well, you didn't. I remember one recently, he, uh, oh, God, I'm literally looking at them. I can't remember their name. The the mage. Uh, Tiberius? Tiberius, Yeah. Tiberius went to do something. He was trying to, he was trying to take a a little dagger or a short sword, and he wanted it. He wanted to oh, imbue yeah. it. Yeah, he wanted to imbue it with magic. But he was like, "But I want fire on one side of the blade and ice on the other." And Matt was like, "The the the for one, the level that it takes to make this even happen on a magical scale is enormous. You don't really possess that level yet." But also to take two and morph them into one is nigh impossible. That is something that it would take a lot of magicians to do, a lot of sorcerers to do, and it would take the better part of a year. And Tiberius is like, well, can I try? And Matt said, sure, go ahead, you can try. And you can see uh, the guy that plays uh, Grog. He was like, he was like, roll. He's like, do I have to roll like a D20? And Grog's like, do you really think it matters, bro? Do you really, <laughs> do you really think Matt's going to give this to you? He rolled like a 17, and then Matt said, okay, well, you tried, and about 20 minutes in, the uh, the it, the spell broke off, and now you are out 500 gold. So now you know you probably yeah. can't do that ever again. <laughs> and I was like, there you go. That's how you tell somebody no 
without telling them no. Mm-hmm. You know, he lost money. You tried something. You rolled a twenty, and Matt's head, the fucking the 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 roll he needed to make was like a seventy five, something he would never get. So, you know, yeah, sure, you can try to pick up this tree, but probably not going to happen. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Anytime they uh, do any sort of experimentation like that. You know, he lets it go through, but if things don't work, even if they do work sometimes, they have a heavy price. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you've gotten to a thing that involves mirrors yet. Uh, No, okay. I've gotten, well, maybe, maybe, but I don't know the result of it yet. Okay. Tiberius uh, was at a local town, this is a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. and bought like, he... <laughs> I don't know how to take Tiberius sometime, man. His care, he's, he's so fucking extra. Like he will, you will see him doodling on paper and drawing out this elaborate theme, and Matt will be like, "What do you want to do?" And he's like, "Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try this. I'm going to put this thing on this." And Matt goes, "Okay, well, you you can't really do any of that because you are not proficient at this thing." And he's like, "Oh, it's like, dude, you need to not do that. Like, you need to be asking the DM what you can do before you have this 20 page novella of what your plan <laughs> is." And come to find out, no, you don't know how to work a fucking blacksmith's. Uh, mm-hmm. iron okay dude but anyway he was in this town and he uh, this is uh, this whole time period was very funny to me because tiberius kept going to town he kept going to it he kept going to all these places and buying shit and buying shit and buying shit and the physical in real life character that played grog was getting so fucking annoyed he was like dude i'm bored like you have been, you have spent like 20 minutes doing nothing but buying things and you keep saying one more but you have another one you go oh yeah one more thing but just seeing the the tactful frustration on Matt's face as he handled all of it was just great to watch as a someone watching a DM, you know, mm-hmm. because there came a point where he was like, oh, one more thing. I want to buy a bunch of mirrors. And Matt was like, OK, he was like, I want to go around to every single shop in the entire town and I want to buy every mirror I can. And Matt's just giving him this look. And the Grog guy was just folding his arms and rolling his head back. Ugh. And Matt was like, okay, how many mirrors were you looking to buy? And he was like, I don't know, like like a thousand? And Matt's like, okay, uh, roll your 20 or whatever. He rolls it and he goes, okay, you managed to, uh, over a period of several hours, almost two days worth, go around the entire town and through all of the shops, after clearing them all out, most of which have pushed you out <laughs> because, you know, you're just you're yeah. being that guy. You managed to spend like 500 gold and you bought a total of 35 mirrors. They're all roughly this shape and this size blanket end. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we, you know, I'm not going to sell you a thousand as a dm i'm not gonna sell you a thousand mirrors like what what's going on yeah the the end result of that's pretty amusing too yeah yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to see where that plays yeah but yeah i I like it i I, i'm enjoying it Uh, it's 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 my side watch thing now Mm -hmm. until i uh i won't be going back to d-pad or anything until i get this finished (laughs) out and like you caught up uh it is weekly and uh it's at first, I was like, "Oh, man. look, okay, this is this was my struggle as a young as a young twenties guy. I fucking hate watching TV. I have always despised watching TV because I hated the week to week, or the month to month, or or the season to season. I liked 
YouTube because I could get it all. I could just, right. I could, until it was something that came out and I caught up, I could watch it all. So it has now come back to haunt me and it's simultaneously no problem at all because there are things that I do watch or there is media that I ingest weekly, like podcasts. I have three that I listen to every week. I have one that I record. <laughs> Uh, I have some YouTube channels that I watch and, uh, well, I have several of those, but I have some that I do like every week or every episode when they were down, when they release a new episode, I download it and or watch it. And now I've got this. So yeah, I am in that. Oh man. Now look at me. I'm back to the week to week episode to episode waiting to see what happens. But I have so much fucking content to watch and ingest that doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah that's kind of the way i do it i if i'm binging on something like critical role i may not watch it next week you know even though i'm gonna be caught up i'll wait till there's you know several episodes out and then i'll go back and watch in the meantime i'll be watching something else yeah that's that's the way i handle a lot of my youtube channels like uh for example two best friends if they're playing through a game that i like i will let that shit either build up or finish and then yeah. i'll watch it all and again i I watch other things around it, so I'm never, I feel like I'm looking back at the older me and going, you know, the TV folks didn't really have it bad. I mean, yeah, it's 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 one thing to have one to two only shows that you're like, I can't wait. Like, man, this is an hour long episode. I'm foaming at the mouth until next week. I could see that. But I guess if you're watching like a shit ton of TV and they're all giving you updates or new episodes. It's I guess you have so much to look forward to. It's okay, mm-hmm. and that's how my YouTube life is. It's I'm always anticipating the next episode of X Game from Two Best Friends, and always anticipating the next Super Mega Cast. And now I will be anticipating the new episode of of uh, Critical Role, and so on and so forth. But when you multiply that times like twenty five for all the other YouTube channels I have. It's just, just it's a perpetual cycle of want and wait. Yeah. And I'm not like a I'm not dreading. We're not 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 dreading. It's a bad word. I'm not just so just somberly anticipating. Just oh, it's never gonna come, and I gotta wait. No, I've got so much other shit. Yeah. Um. So, without spoiling, of course, campaign one ends. It definitively ends. Correct. It's yes. not like campaign one rolls and okay. Good, 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 good. I mean, it, it's the same world. Yeah. But it's new characters for campaign two. Oh, nice. Nice, nice. Because they, and they, they actually start at level two um, instead of level one, I think. Basically, to establish backstory, they did individual sessions with like groups of two um, mm-hmm. to kind of establish backstory, get parts of the group to meet because there's seven of them. Uh, uh-huh. So if, you know, having seven people come together at once is kind of bulky, but if you mm-hmm. have three sets of people that total up to that seven, it's not so bad. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot less uh, coincidental at that point. I love uh, I love the other, like, in-game... I promise we're going to get off of Critical Role here in a minute, <laughs> so we can talk about actual D&D, but... Uh, well, that's that's very rude to say. Our <laughs> D&D is what I meant yes. to say. But I love the little end game, the little end canon jokes that they poke at each other. Like, I love how 
So if you remember, Grog got a belt. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Grog, apparently Goliaths cannot grow beards. Right. I didn't know this. This was new to me. Yeah, they're hairless. At least on yeah, their so head. Goli- so Goliath can't grow beards, and Grog got a belt from one of his party members that gives him a chance every day to roll a d- to roll dice, and depending on what he rolls, it will over time gradually grow his beard out. Yep. And fucking Vex one night in the middle of the night got some fucking shaving cream as a stealthy fucking rogue and shaved half of his beard off. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? And he's like, he he woke up, he felt his face and went, Vex. And you're like, well, how would you know it was me? He's like, because you're the only asshole that would do this to me. I know my character knows your character, knows that you would do this fucking shit. Yep. I love shit like that, man. It's great. It's great. Yeah, they have a lot of that. And, uh, it, it's it's never ending. Yeah. You know, they, they have such a good dynamic between the characters and players. I mean, they all, they're all great friends you know outside of the game and yeah. a lot of that carries over in game um yeah. It, yeah it's just a cool dynamic yep i'm enjoying it glad i started watching for for many reasons but also because it helps gives me more knowledge and insight to actually playing D. yeah so uh last did, n- did i do it chris did i win an award for the segue of the year I wouldn't go that far, but good job. Um, so, yeah, uh, last night was our first session. Um, Yay! And aside from uh, eating dirt, how'd you like it? Man, you, man, you are so <laughs> fucking... You're just awesome. You're a great brother and a fucking friend and a DM that doesn't fucking rub my nose and shit, man. <laughs> Thank you for not being that asshole. Uh, so not solely revolving around that poor shit. In general, it was interesting. It was nice. It was uh again my first foray that that actually counts of mm-hmm. me getting into this. Uh, was definitely anticipating it the whole week. Was eager. Couldn't wait to get into it. I was really curious to how you were gonna do it. I was gonna be curious. I was curious if it was gonna be canon. Uh, I knew it wasn't going to be some fucking brawling, sweeping narrative and fucking, like, the, the a beholder comes somewhere. Like, I, I knew it wasn't going to be grand scale, but it was interesting. Uh, I'm curious. That this is this is, this is is side table talk, mm-hmm. uh, and this is not influencing you. I'm just saying it's something that I, as a player, am curious. As, I'm curious as how you're actually going to weave these characters together. Because as of last night, technically, if you're thinking of the characters, we didn't really band together. We did fight some things in AN, but this is not like Sweet Coden where fucking Letnock shows up and goes, you are all destiny tied together. <laughs> this winds will sweep you and this is the castle that you need to go fight the fucking Ganon at. You know, it's nothing like that so yeah right now we were roaming random people in a tavern some shit went down we handled this shit and now we're back to our lives so the this is anticipation for me and i'm hopeful hopefully the other players too is like now what's all right what's gonna be next and really i mean that that's really one of the most difficult parts um and that's kind of 
that's kind of why I started out like I did, because I wanted to try getting some interaction before anything ever happened, you know, to give yeah. at least a little bit of uh, an acquaintance type thing. But mm-hmm. I, I mentioned after we end, nobody got each other's names. Nobody asked. Oh. Nobody did that at all. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to have to do something from a DM perspective that kind of encourages this interaction, so to speak. Uh, yeah. The the conversation with the guy didn't go quite as I was expecting. Uh, yeah. So I was like, okay. Um, but it, it's... It's one of those things. So I'm, I've been thinking about it, and I'm trying to figure out ways to encourage it. But ultimately, it's on the players to kind of take those steps at times. That's why you know I, I try to ask questions about what they're doing and you know, what's going on to see if this interaction is going to happen on its own. And how you much know, you, have to push. you do say that we don't know each other's names. I do, I do agree with that. However, the one thing that does stand out right now is that we are all still together. Like we're all still at least in this inn. Yes. You know? Like I jokingly said at the end, like I left, I didn't, I didn't really leave. I was fucking with the, with the movement, but mm-hmm. nobody has been like, "All right, well, after this, I fucking wring my hands and take my loot and I leave and go to a castle." And we're all still there. So ne- next week, next episode, whatever, we'll still be there. And who knows what will happen? Yeah. Maybe something will happen. Maybe something will. Yeah, Maybe we'll all just fuck around. Who knows? And I, I have a opening sequence that will you know, hopefully progress this as a group type thing. Uh-huh. Uh, I spent today actually doing map making and world building to flesh out, you know, off of what happened last time, which I had already prepared ahead of time so I could answer the questions, which mostly yeah. were in line with what I had already come up with and written. But I needed yeah. to flesh it out more. So it's like, okay, well, you've now been introduced to some sort of villain. Mm-hmm. So now I have to build the background for that uh, group of people and are actually both sides, I should say, of that altercation. Um, not you guys, but the knight uh, and those guys. Yeah. But, you know, what interactions have they had? Where have they had them? Uh, what's the hierarchy of these groups? All of that I'm, you know, writing and trying to establish. And then based on that building out locations to support these things. Uh, I spent a lot of time today just breaking out the uh, capital city of the region Mm, because it's kind of the, it's the center of this country, you know, it's the capital. Yeah. And you'll eventually make it there, you know, and (laughs) this is the, uh, it'll play major parts in the plot so to speak, you know, the capital city is a big place. You know, you can get all kinds of information there, get all kinds of things, whatever you're trying to accomplish. A lot of roads lead to the capital. Um, The, it's kind of funny thinking about all the things I prepared for ahead of time that never came up. Like, I don't even (laughs) think the, I don't even think the name of the end came up. The name of the city didn't come up. The uh, country's name didn't come up. No, No, nothing. None of these things came up because it wasn't really relevant at the time. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. as you guys move on, you know, you'll start asking questions like, 
well, where, where, where do we need to go? You know, where's this place at that you hear somebody talk about or they'll tell you because you're asking specifically, you know, where can I find this or, yeah, you know, what's nearby? What are nearby cities? Um, See, that will be the challenge to you as a DM, but also as a challenge to us as the players, because we'll need to know these things. And if we don't, and you know, we're going to need to know them. You have to hope you have to give us enough freedom to, figured out for our own mm -hmm. but when you get to a point that you realize we're actually going down into the pit but we don't know what the fucking name of the pit is hey and you got to figure out a way for us to figure it out yeah and you know like one of the things i wanted to do was when we don't have an actual map we're using at the moment uh like last night we used the n as the map you know for everything mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. that's not always going to be the case you know there's traveling there's all this stuff where there may or may not be encounters but uh, visually, you're not going to have a on-screen thing to look at. Uh, it'll just yeah. be, you know, normal vocal descriptions. And I wanted to put, kind of as the splash screen, so to speak, the world map. Well, not only is the world map not done, but even if I did it without feature, without, you know, city markers, that's still kind of giving away more than I want. And it's used as the right. game icon, so it's kind of there anyway, but yeah i i have to decide what i want to do with that you know yeah yeah how much i want to reveal and i originally had parts of it hidden uh so i was only going to expose like one small area but that doesn't really work because the characters come from almost every direction yeah um yeah especially like yours and the uh two cats your originating point so to speak is pretty far away so you had to travel really far to get where you are now um, yeah so you would have seen stuff along the way mm -hmm. and uh, i don't know it's kind of hard to do that when you have you know six people in a group that have all been different places then you're really kind of exposing everything yeah um, so yeah we'll see i just want to say about this horse shit with me getting out of my ass. <laughs> All right, let me just say some shit right the fuck now. All right. Okay. Okay, so what happened for the audience at large listening? So Chris, being the asshole that he is, threw this fucking level 97 warlock into this inn with these level 27 zombies that had fucking four arms and 12 swords and fucking murder machines and we're like lowly level one peasants nah I'm just totally kidding so guy comes in and goes hey fuck you guys makes three people zombies and we gotta fight cool I am locked in between two zombies now I knew during and after the fact that obviously if I'm in a pincer, pincer type situation I'm at a disadvantage uh, and if I move, you know, even you said, Hey, you're going to take two swipes. Here was my thought process there. And I'm going to explain why this is bullshit. Okay. <laughs> Somebody else, either one or two other people had already taken damage from the zombies from during the fight. And it was minimal damage. It was like four and six. Mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, well, yeah, I can probably deal with one or two hits. They don't seem that strong. <laughs> I, the character wants to go for that guy, hoping that. If I kill him, this these zombies will be no more. Mm -hmm. That's actually wrong on my part. This was the this was me playing the uh, 
student in my nature because I would have known that whenever they put him to sleep, that that would have he wouldn't be able to control him anymore anyway because he was unconscious and they would have maybe they there's also he wasn't actually waving a hand up like a puppeteer he just did a thing and these zombies appeared so anyway i fucking roll and i'm i have to move from in between these two zombies and i'm gonna go straight for that guy and i'm gonna fuck his world up and chris was like hey just a reminder if you move like that you're gonna get hit twice because you're moving by two enemies i was like fuck yeah i know that let's rock this shit Rolled, first zombie missed completely. Second zombie hit, criticaled, hit, took me for all of my exact hit yep, points. Yep, the exact and number. And I said, are you, I want to tell you, Chris, I wasn't mad, okay, because you can't really, you can't be mad at dice rolls. I mean, the the dice can fuck you. It's it's RNG just like we know in MMORPGs. The RNG can fuck you. I got fucked by RNG. <laughs> I could have handled it better. I could have been like, all right, I'm just going to be the guy that just sits here and swing the sword at the zombie. I could have just been the average guy, and maybe I should have. But I, was, I wasn't I was pissed off at the situation. I was more like, I've never fucking met some of these people. They don't know me from Cheyenne, and I made this fucking character, and our first fucking encounter the first time, I'm like, I pull out my silver sword. Let's fucking ro- Oh, dead. <laughs> Not a, oh, man, I took a bad gut wound, and I need to fucking go off to the side and beg for healing or something. No, it's like, boom, take two steps dead. I was like, yep, welcome to, welcome to me and fucking D&D right here. But it all turned out for the good. Uh, all in all, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention before we ever move on from D&D was that I had heard you say several times how easy and convenient the Roll20 uh, setup makes it. Man, you wasn't lying. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how easy that shit is. When I'm watching Critical Roll, when it comes time for them to roll, that's always the part, and I'm talking 38 episodes or whatever by now, where I've been like, I kind of follow what's going on here, but I kind of don't, because they have their sheet in front of them, and you can't see their sheet. Right. Uh, later you do, because they do update it where you can see it, but they're, they're having to keep track of modifiers, they have to keep track of uh, inspirations, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. So they'll roll, and then they'll say, like, I rolled a 7, plus 2, plus 2, that's 9, plus 1, 10, plus another 4, that's 14, plus another whatever, and they go on, and I'm like, this is where I'm losing it because I'm imagining just my eyes darting all across this. I all I, I I put myself at an experience level and think that okay, so what this show is telling me that when I get educated in this game enough, I need Chris needs to be able to go okay, fine, roll me whatever, and I just go bam, this 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 this. I turn my paper this this as this bam bam. Turn the paper back. This is I roll a nineteen, and. I'm like, man, I, I hope I get to that level one day. I hope I do. <laughs> Roll 20 comes in and says, bruh, you ain't got to do none of that shit. Your DM says, man, roll me a fucking uh, investigation. You click investigation. You got to fucking roll. Yep. And you say, well, wait a minute. What if I have a modifier? They go, bruh, chill out. I got you. Your modifiers are already in there. And you say, well, what if I have a, what if I have modifiers, but I'm rolling at a disadvantage? And they say, man, it's okay. You just click that disadvantage tab and you roll. And whatever the fuck you have on you that you're supposed to be keeping track of, we keep track of it for you. Mm-hmm. You just click the button and roll, man. 
So it that that was very that was very nice to realize how easy it was. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and and to be fair, uh, for you on that strike, you took a crit hit on. Not only was it a crit, but it did only two points shy of maximum damage for that hit could be. Right. So you, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just one of them things, man. I just got really really shit luck. Yeah, and uh. What since you you know had a thought as to what would happen in that situation if you went after the guy, that would probably be one of the situations where you could try to roll for it, um, yeah. and be like, would I know, you know, if he dropping him would drop them or you know something like yeah. that, and you could have rolled for it, and maybe if you got a bad roll, you would have done the same thing anyway, but if you got yeah. a good roll, it would have saved you the trouble, and yeah, and. Also kind of taking stock of the situation, um, knowing who has what covered, even though you don't actually know the people, the characters yet, you can mm-hmm. kind of gauge the situation and go, all right, so the Goliath is, you know, a huge Hulk over this guy uh, right now. So that's probably not going to be an issue too much longer. Um, yeah. And there's also someone else over there helping anyway. So I don't need to focus on, you know, him necessarily. Uh, you yeah. also could have, uh, I think, if you had moved, I don't think you needed a move, but you could have used your crossbow as well to hit him instead of moving. Um, so you had a couple other options. You know. Yeah, I had I had many really. Yeah. I could have picked up a fucking chair and bash if I wanted to, <laughs> but in the end, I'll chalk it up to him being level one. Yeah, and being a student, and this is like his 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 kind of his you know first third whatever outing into the world mm-hmm. he's nervous he's new he's not he's good at investigating but not the greatest of course etc 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 so this is this will be a learning experience for my character yeah. it just really sucks that this is a, a death lesson in front of people that i'm fixing to probably fucking slay dragons with you know it's like hey remember that time we were at the tavern and you fucking planted face Step two. <laughs> yeah, it's really rough at level one. I'm actually kind of struggling with that right now. Excuse me, because I'm I'm trying to build the next you know encounter I have planned, yeah. and it's kind of tough to do to balance for level ones, um, because of the low hit points. Even if, so I talked before about this whole system and formula you use for calculating encounters, uh, uh-huh. whether or not you have too many enemies or how you know whether or not the party should be able to take them. And it's like, sure, the party could take this, but okay, let's look at the damage they can do. Like in your case, you get crit, that's a one shot. If you have two yeah. enemies not critting, that's a one shot. So it's yep. like, I, I'm i not a fan of that. But at the same time, last night's session in reality earned each of you only like 25 experience. Um, right. As far as the enemies go, you know, whatever yeah. I apply on top of that for the you know, role-playing aspect of it is wouldn't equal 250, but yeah. uh, or 275 rather for the 300 needed to level up. So I'm I'm debating on whether or not I want to build the next encounter for level one, or if I want to just award everyone enough experience to go to level two. Um, yeah, I I kind of want to as far as a narrative standpoint goes, and from a sort of gameplay aspect as far as survivability. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't because the characters are brand new. 
they're still learning. They're still yeah. doing all this stuff. So it's kind of like, it's, it feels a little cheap to do it at that point. Um, yeah. And even if the, uh, the uh, dungeon master guide actually has two leveling systems in it. One is the experience base that we're using. The other is for milestones. So when you accomplish yeah. a certain task, you level up, you mm-hmm. know, you kill a dragon. Okay. That's your, you know, major or minor story arc you're on. You level up because of that. It's a huge milestone for you. Uh, even going on that system, a milestone wasn't really accomplished. You know, yeah. it's narratively, it wasn't a big deal. Um, yeah. There were enough of you uh, that it, you know, what I think that rating was medium at best. Uh, the scale is easy, medium, hard, and deadly. Um, I think that encounter was barely medium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A question I had about mm-hmm. us and about Critical Role, too, actually, was do you know if and or how Critical Role does XP? Because they never discuss XP after any battle I've ever seen. No, they do it all off screen. Um, I figured. I figured there was a lot of off screen sidebarring going on. I, I don't think they're normal values. I imagine he awards heavily on the role-playing side of things. And not all players are the same level. So that leads me to believe they're using the XP system vice a milestone system. Um, it just kind of works out that after the major arcs, which major arcs are supposed to reward their own art, you know, experience. Yeah. So, you know, they kill a dragon... Not only are they going to get the you know two thousand experience each for killing the dragon, they're also going to get another two thousand each for just clearing that arc or that uh yeah. whatever whether it be minor or major type thing. And mm-hmm. I think that's where their stuff they do all that off screen, uh, which is not a bad thing because it doesn't bog down the show and whatnot. Right, uh, it, right. But it does leave stuff to be desired as far as seeing when they level up. Because unless they get a new ability, and later near the end, they actually start talking about it more when they level. Because they're yeah. like, hey, I just learned a new thing. Uh, yeah. Because they get some pretty powerful stuff when you get up in, you know, 15 plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they're on an XP system, and I think they're heavily awarded RP experience to help keep the levels moving. Nice. Yeah, it was fun, man. I had a good time waiting for... Waiting for next week. Next for the next time. See what happens. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. Yep. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can get that hook in there, get the group yeah. together, uh, and move forward with the plot. Um, actually finish writing out. You know the, I guess you'd say the current arc I'm working on, uh, mm-hmm. and figuring out what the hell comes after that. Yeah. Because yeah, I. I I have to, one thing I was trying to decide today and I haven't actually come up with yet is what level I should expect this arc to finish at. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, for, say, the final boss of the arc, I can design that boss, but I need to know what level to design it for. Mm-hmm. And that will kind of drive how much stuff is in between. You yeah. know, if it's a level yeah. five boss, you only have a few things to do, really. Uh, right. A few in-game days worth of stuff to do. To yeah. get to level five, but if it's a level ten boss, that's you know months in game. Yeah, possibly. we got we got some work. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see, man. 
Yeah. It's rough at level one. (laughs) I mean, especially when you don't have healing potions and you can't afford healing potions at that point. Uh, Yeah. It's, yeah. It's interesting. That's really only my, and that's only like my second time DMing either. Uh, And the only other Mm -hmm. time was the home game I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have any past experience with it uh, as far as that goes other than, you know, making stuff up for myself. I told Adam this today. It's the funniest thing last night. I mean, there were lots of funny moments. Uh, fun moments, too. Uh, the fucking bards dueling each other. Yeah. And that fucking role where, like, oh, he lost and he fucking came back and beat him by one fucking mm-hmm. point. And it was, oh, yeah, that was great. But and I know you heard me laughing. I was I had to cover the mic a couple times. I was I don't know why this fucking got me the way it did. But for the audience listening, uh, in this roll twenty roll twenty is a website you can go to. You can log in or create a uh, user. You can join somebody's D and D game. You can make character. Yada. It's D and D interface for you. So as we're looking at this map that Chris has designed of this inn with you know a bar, a bar and, and tables and all this stuff. I don't know why this got me. This is going to sound so whatever, but it just, it was fucking hilarious to me. Whenever you brought the enemy in and you were like, suddenly, uh, uh, this, this cloaked man comes in the door and I just, because you as the DM can move shit around mm-hmm. without us seeing, so we can't see your mouse pointer. We can't see what you're typing, clicking or nothing. I just, I'm looking in this area as you're talking and I see this fucking little token thing just go zip right onto the screen suddenly a cloaked character i was like what the fuck it just it just got me i was laughing so fucking hard at that it just it just suddenly this thing just slides across the screen real quick zip yeah i don't know if you noticed it but on the right side of the map there's a black bar uh-huh that's the fog of war and ah, i, I okay. do that so i can hide things underneath from the right. player so ah, uh when you know, he was waiting the whole time over there. The night icon was over there the whole time, already right. pre-configured with hit points and all this stuff, uh, character sheets or and NPC sheets behind them. Uh, so all that was ready to go. And once the narrative got to the right point, I just dropped him. You in. just slid him over. Yeah, yep. it just I wasn't expecting it. I don't know what I was expecting. I guess I was expecting the fucking thing to just pop up in view. But mm-hmm. to just see it quickly jet across the screen, I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> uh, good times, man. Good stuff. Hope for good things for the future. Yep. Any uh, any other tidbits for your week? No, that's been taking up all my time. That's actually a good that's actually a good way we've done this week because you started you you talked about a game we went to D and D we both talk about D and D and now I'm talking about my games and then I'm done for my week. Yep. Uh, I oh by the way I passed my test last week. I'm still riding that wave, buddy. <laughs> but so I finished God of War one and two. I think at the time that they were recording last week, I was halfway through or whatever through two. Yeah. Uh, beat two. <coughs> Sorry, audience, about the coughs. I'm not under the weather. I think I'm just fighting off some bullshit bug. But anyway, uh, I finished two and then moved on to three. Three was brand new for me because I've never played three. Uh, Two still had a lot of those fucking places, man. A lot of those. 
Come on, man. Bullshit death areas. Uh, three as well had a couple that kind of pissed me off that were like, all right, the design of this is not exactly that that great. And one in particular, uh, if I can... All right, so imagine that you are in a cube-type arena. And I'm saying cube for a reason. Imagine there's a rod going in between this room and the basically the cube spins it spins around so you're on you're inside the cube you're on the bottom acting like a floor and you're fighting an arena and then somebody takes the cube and then turns it clockwise so now the wall that was on your right is now the floor underneath you does it make sense he's throwing this out you're you're basically spinning this room around and you're changing what you're standing on. Mm-hmm. So the way they had this room designed is that there were spikes on the floor that randomly, imper- well, not randomly, but periodically over a set pattern, the spikes would pop up. I didn't realize till the first time I died, those spikes are instant death. They're not damage. <laughs> so the gauntlet of this is that room spins. If I'm not mistaken, it spins four times. Every time it spins, there's a new pattern for the spikes on the floor that will periodically pop up and down, cause instant death. And every time this cube is in one configuration, there are also enemies that you're fighting. Okay, so kill the enemies, avoid the spikes, the room's going to spin, still stay off the spikes, rinse and repeat, got it. The problem is that until you memorize the pattern of that shit on the floor, you only have a couple seconds to get off the floor and move. Right. And even when you move, you better hope you have uh, red when you get the power up that lets you air dash and hope that you air dash far enough. You, j- There are many times where I just had enough room to get away from the spikes. The majority of my deaths in that fucking arena, this was probably about an hour I was stuck in here, was I would be fighting enemies, I would be committed to a move or committed to a combo that I could not get out of, I would see the shit coming, I would jump up, and I'd be dead. I I didn't have enough time. Or I was fighting an enemy, and they did some stupid fucking move that locked me in an animation, spikes come up, I'm dead. Or I'm hitting them and do something that locks them in an animation with me with them, and spikes come up and I'm dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Over and over and I, I was getting so fucking fed up. I was like, "This is this is horseshit." Like, I know I can do this, and I know I'm just need to take my time and work it. But ah. so I got past it. Uh, the story all around, uh, it got it got a little bit more interesting, but this, it nothing about the story really just shook me to the bone. You know, again, this is not fucking Final Fantasy VI narrative. I I get it. I get that. But it was an oh, it was a serv- it was a serviceable story for the gameplay itself, and the gameplay and uh, no, right off the bat when I loaded up God of War three, I noticed the quality. This was a PlayStation four HD remaster, which apparently was like a, a another upscale version of the one that was released on the PS three, because that was an HD upgrade as well. Uh, I noticed the quality difference between the games. I noticed the sound effects immediately when I threw out uh, the uh, his his chain blade the first time. 
the sound effect for the chains themselves. I was like, that. Yep, that's quality. That's different. It's better. I like it. Uh, the 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 animations, the 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 way the weapons move, the way the the, the way the colors change and upgraded over time. I could see where the money went into mm-hmm. making this look prettier. But nothing about this story. This story was probably about a six, six and a half, maybe even a, I, I I could be generous and say a seven. But it it I don't know what I was expecting. Uh, but I was expecting more. I wanted more from this story, and I kind of got a ho hum, uh, cool beans, no big deal. But that's okay. I I only played this trilogy as a refresher for the story as a whole. And come to find out, the fucking ending to God of War Three never tied to another game in the future. The remaster that I played had an extra scene added that that pretty much gives a bold, blatant hint at the new God of War coming out. Interesting. It, yeah, it's not a, oh, when you beat, if you were to beat God of War 3 back in 2000, whatever, when it came out, you weren't like, oh, man, what happened to Kratos? What's going on now? It was just the game ends. It does have its own, sol- its own solid ending. I had in a very toned-down less um not as good way kind of had some soul reaver in that ending i, I kind of felt a little twinge of soul reaver when i when i beat it but in any event i ran through the trilogy i think in total i might have spent 35 maybe 40 hours total on all three games uh i would say god of war 3 is my favorite of the three definitely uh better upscales upscale battles just everything there, there was more to it and it looked better and it just played better it felt tighter but if i'm hearing all the spoiler free reviews correct about god of war which which are those are very few apparently this is not the god of war that i'm played that i've just played this is and i can tell that i mean it seems to be over the shoulder it uh it has a different battle uh, system just everything about this game is apparently different. Uh, somebody from, I want to say it was Easy Allies, said the best way that I can explain it, I think, uh, I don't want to get his name wrong, but said that, uh, remember how when you played Resident Evil 1 and 2 and 3, and then you played Resident Evil 4, but so 4 was not only vastly different and changed, but it was better like the with the with the with the graphics and everything mm-hmm. that's the way that apparently this new god of war feels to the original trilogy like it hey it carries the god of war feeling to it but the controls are different the visuals are different or different and better so we'll see i'm anticipating it i've only got a few more weeks to go and it's coming out i'll have it in my hands i'm gonna play it in the meantime I am. I have started up and have been playing the congratulations graduation style gift that I bought <laughs> myself for passing that fucking test that I passed last week. Mm-hmm. I bought Monster Hunter Four for the PlayStation Four. I had originally said that I was waiting for the PC release. I decided not to. A few reasons. Uh, I w- I'd like to play it now. It's too many people are telling me about it. It's been in my ear. I want to play it. I'm gonna go ahead and play it. When it does come out for the PC, hopefully by that time I will have already beaten this game. 
which means when I get it to the PC, I can do whatever the fuck I want with it. And by whatever the fuck I want with it, I think most people know what the fuck I mean. Uh, I'm going to blow that game wide open as much as I can before I'm banned off the game, I guess. Not multiplayer. I'm not fucking with somebody else's game. Don't don't misunderstand. But, um, so, okay, most of the things that I'm going through in Monster Hunter World right now, I'm only probably five or six monster levels in. Uh, Chris, how much of Monster Hunter World have you played? Uh, I think I spent a total of two hours or so. Oh, okay. Not a whole lot. Oh, that's lot. okay. I don't. I don't plan on spoiling anything anyway. But uh, for those that have played Monster Hunter, you understand what I'm saying. You know, you you go after this monster, and then you know you'll do a mission. The next mission, you go after a little higher monster. Yeah. You'll do a mission, do a mission. Then you go fight another little higher monster, etc. Up up the food chain. I'm probably five or six of those in. The reason why, uh, and I've been playing this for roughly a week now, and you're like, whoa, I know how you play, man. You dump hours daily in the games. Yes, I do. But I was also playing D&D, and now I'm recording for <laughs> you wonderful people. So you know, not all of my time is there. But the reason why, and I, I'm, putting this, I'm putting this disclaimer out there for the audience and for you too, Chris. Uh, I don't know if you plan on getting back into it or, or what, but this... This will prop. I'm. So, remember last week I had said that I. I. Whenever God of War comes out, I'm on God of War. Yeah. So I was hesitant to play Monster Hunter right now because I didn't want to get into it, and then find out this is like people have been telling me this is a hundred fifty two hundred hour game, and I had to stop fifty hours in because God of War comes out. Well, that's completely out the fucking window now because God, Monster Hunter is definitely a fucking pick up and play game. I can wholeheartedly get 50 hours into Monster Hunter World right now, stop for a month to play God of War and come back to it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be totally fine. Uh, but even with even that aside, this game I will be playing for an extended period of time. And I'm telling this mainly to the audience because I know people like freshness. They like knowing, hey, what are you doing? How much have you done? This is going to take me some time. I'm, gonna, I'm saying this hesitantly now. Because I have already found a niche, and I'm again, I'm only like six monster tiers in this game so far. I have already found a niche that I'm having a blast with, and it, it is adding to why it's taking me so long to progress through the game. I have been joining games left and right. The way that I've been playing daily right now is that I will jump on, I will go to join game instead of create game, which create game for those that don't know that's basically how you're progressing through the story you can you pick the missions you want you can basically you can pick story missions to progress through the game but i've been going to join game which lets me join other people's games either one to help people out through the campaign or two help out people who are in need in a campaign or whatever mm -hmm. i just join other people and help them and i have been coming home starting this game up and joining a game I'll look for SOSers right off the bat. Who needs help? I'll jump in. I'll help people kill something or I help people find something or scavenge something or whatever. I'll jump out. I'll go back to join game until I can't find something in join game. Like you're, you can't do this because your level's too low or this kind of, I guess kind of, kind of sounds shitty, but you shouldn't do this because there's like almost no reward because it's already been over a specific time. Yeah. Until, 
when I can't join another game or just flat out tells me, hey, there's nothing to join, nobody's make the, made a game, then I will go play a mission for my campaign. When I get done with that mission, whether it's a new boss or a not, I will then go back to join game. Of all the games that I've played right now, the seven or eight through the campaign, I've probably joined like 50-something of other people's games. Uh, it's nice. I, I, You get rewards for doing that. You get money for doing it, but also you help people. And I've already had... I don't have my headset hooked up to my PlayStation 4 yet, so I can't verbally communicate with people yet. But I've already had like 10, 15 people on the other end. I can hear their voice, and they're telling me, Man, thank you. I've been stuck on this stupid fucking palooka palooka shit <laughs> for fucking four deaths now, and I can't do it. Thank you for coming in and helping me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I send them a, a guild card and, you know, do an emote for, you know, good job or good work or whatever. I love doing that, man. That's good shit. So uh, I am not barreling my way through this campaign. And it will take me some time to work my way through, which also means on my end, it's going to take a while for me to upgrade my armor and weapons. So this may not be, and this may fucking change four months from now. Maybe that'll get burned out, but who knows? But I won't be able to come on every week and go, all right, guys, here's this new armor set I got. It may take me some time. So I'm enjoying helping other people. Um... I have played Monster Hunter before. I played Monster Hunter Try. I put a good 50, 60 hours in that game. I never finished it, though. But I do see how a lot of this this game does have a lot of polish on it. It does have a lot of what the the Monster Hunter vets are, are talking about, about how, man, there's quality of life shit here that, man, we have sorely needed. I see that. But I still see, even with this game being, and this is just a testament to, of me being a fucking dummy, but... This game has a lot of a lot of systems, has a lot of mechanics, has a lot to to take in, and this is another reason why joining games is helping me because I'm learning more by playing without killing myself by being a dumbass in my campaign. <laughs> you know, I'm learning more mechanics as I go. I'm figuring more things out over time, and instead of me barreling myself through the campaign and dying for stupid reasons i come in a little bit more prepared i'll give people a piece of advice right now this is something that i read somewhere on, or watched on a youtube video that gave like hey here's some some quick tips for you new monster hunters uh something that i did in my training room that has helped me out when you get into this game and you go to pick your gear set don't fucking worry about what weapon you pick initially as soon as you get to the place where you can go to your training room. That's when you get to where you can go to your room and then go to the training area. Go through every fucking weapon one by one and try them out until you find either the one you think does the more damage or the one that you want to play with. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of weapons in this game and they're all almost vastly different from each other by damage dealt, by uh, their the way that they move, their skill set, the way that they attack, the way that you control them, the the options they have. So, if you think that the lance looks cool, go for it. But try the other weapons too, because you might like that fucking bow, or you might like that trick axe. Try them all. I say this from experience because I picked I. 
I picked the glaive. I think it's like the insect weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. I was, I was. It took me a long time to figure out certain things, like the fact that apparently up in the top right of the training menu bar, or uh, up in the window, it shows you like if you press this button now, this is what it does. Okay, while it's in this animation, if you press this button, this is what it does. Uh, apparently the insect glaive has a, it's a trickery type thing. You can do a lot of pole vaulting and jumping around. I didn't know that until like an hour in, but once I went to the training room and went through all the weapons, I was like, nah, I like these other ones. There's a couple other ones that I like to play with. Mm -hmm. So some early advice for you. The game is very good at at bringing you in. It would, it will teach you things. And I'm just, again, it's a personal thing. When I have 50 things thrown to me at one time, I get a little bit overwhelmed, and I just go, fuck it. I'm just going to press X until I win. <laughs> but the, it does train you. It gives you lots of tutorials, which you can go back and watch. It, it actually gives videos, too, in the tutorials. It has it has training windows. It has all kind of things. So it is complicated, but it will baby you through it. Don't Don't fret. Right now, so far, I'm enjoying it, having a good time. Definitely having a good time helping other people. Today specifically, uh, again, when you text, when you sent me the text earlier today, like, hey, when you want to record. So today was the first time I think in my recorded history of gaming that I that I have boosted. I'm using those. With, I'm using that 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 term with very big quotes. Uh, I did not plan for this. I didn't expect it to be this way, but I joined a game. And it was an expedition, which uh, for, for the audience, if you don't know, an expedition match or an expedition in Monster Hunter period, but in Monster Hunter World means that you can go to an arena or an area, sorry, and you can do whatever the fuck you want in there. You can hunt right. monsters, you can go fish, you can go grab items, and there's no time limit and it doesn't matter if you faint or not, which means you get killed basically. So I joined an expedition just because it was on the join thing, uh, and there was I forget what the objective was, but I was like, yeah, I'll go help out with these guys for a while. Who knows? Maybe they're trying to get some armor or something. I don't know. I'll go help. The mission was to go kill some like rank two enemy, like a very early enemy. I jump in this bitch, and they're fighting a fucking Rathalos. Which apparently is like like fifteen twenty tiers up. This is a bad bitch. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, apparently, I didn't realize that one of the guys in this group was really high leveled with a badass fucking gun, and he was waylaying this thing. Uh, granted, it still took time. Uh, it wasn't the easiest fight in the world, but I'm like, I'm fighting something significantly outside of my zone here. I'm doing like seven, eight damage, and they're doing like <laughs> 70, 80, and they're waylaying on this thing. Uh-huh. But um, usually I back out of things like that. I don't like doing things like that because that's a good way for you to get shit that you shouldn't have at that level. It's kind of like a boosting mentality that I have, and I don't want to do that. But I was generally having fun, and I was kind of adrenaline running because I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. That's what I'm doing this, but I'm doing something. And they're cheering me on. They're like, yeah, man, you're fucking doing good. I like that combo. Go for it. I'm like, fuck yeah. So <laughs> so we were fighting. I'm sorry. We were fighting a Rathian. And then a fucking Rathalos came in. 
And I fucking bailed. And they're like, no, man, come back. We could take both these on at the same time. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Okay, I'm coming back. And we're fighting these two things way out of my level. So it it was a pretty good time. Like I said, I didn't I didn't seek that out. I didn't plan that. That just happened. I expected to walk in and like three hits this little bitch ass enemy to be dead, and we're fighting something way out of my level. Uh, it was a good time, and it just and again in general having a good time with the game. Well, I'm I'm moving, progressing onward, and until God of War comes out, that's probably what my weeks will be around. Yeah. Sorry, I sound like shit. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, was that the only other thing you played? Um, yes, pretty much. I went straight from God of War three into Monster Hunter World, and aside from D and D, man, that's it. Uh, speaking of things coming out, I completely forgot that Far Cry Five was coming out this week. And that uh, man, what have you heard about that game? Uh, not a whole lot because I don't want to say anything about it yet. Um, that's one of the games that I need to go back and play the others for. Uh, before I actually play 5 I own I think 2, 3, and 4 and Primal Uh, Uh or at least 3, 4, and Primal I think is what I own so I want to go back and play those and then play 5 it's one of the series I want to get caught up on so when the new games come out I can actually take part of that you know initial uh, enjoyment with the uh, you know the masses I will tell you what I know from experience and what I know from word of mouth. Take it how you want. Uh, I have only ever played Far Cry 3. I had it recommended to me by somebody, Mm -hmm. Adam, and I played it all the way through. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Probably one of the top 20, 25 villains of all time, I'll tell you that. From what I have heard... Far Cry 1 and 2 are such a departure from Far Cry 3 that it would almost be pointless playing them. Yeah. So I never have. Far Cry 4 came out at a time where I didn't. I had too many games on a plate and not enough money to buy that game, so I let it fly. I was kind of lukewarm about this villain anyway, uh, the whatever his name was. And then the game came out, and I heard lukewarm reviews about it. Uh, people still put Far Cry 3 over Far Cry 4. Far Cry 5 has come out now, and I'm hearing lukewarm reviews again. So, I will probably play it at some point, but I am not foaming at the mouth for Far Cry 4 or 5. I think I may have 4. I think I may have got 4 on like a Steam sale, but eh. I don't like to hear that about that game, because I had a really good experience with Far Cry 3, Mm -hmm. but that experience for me was bundled. You know, from start to finish, I wrapped Far Cry 3 up in a nice warm package. It's in my heart and memories, and I had a good fucking time with it. And I feel like that's all I need. Uh, if if I ever get around to 4 and 5, I will. But, you know, when I'm hearing people say, man, it's okay, it's just good. I'm getting that fucking Fallout, uh, Fallout uh, 4 vibe, I guess you'd say, where it's like, some people say it's good. Some people don't. Eh, did you play Far Cry 3? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Fallout 3? Yeah. Okay, you're good. Yeah. So. I can see that. But, yeah, that's... Uh, I feel like another game came out and flew completely under my fucking radar, but I didn't look it up. I was too busy doing podcasts, <laughs> other, other podcasts homework today, so... 
Uh, I heard some actually good things about the new Kirby game and the, the fact that Kirby's still kicking today is I love that little guy. Mm-hmm. love how awesome that is. Kirby's still around, still doing the damn thing. Uh, any well actuallys from last week? Let me consult my notebook. Oh, shit. Nope. Awesome. <laughs> Another perfect podcast for you. Chris, you think it's time we roll into the topic for the for the week? Sure. Because if we have learned one thing about these uh, years in review, they run a bit long. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to run longer. The Guys, this is going to become a perpetual fucking cycle of hell. Because we're going to get to a point where there are three generations of consoles, all with lots of games. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll get through it. I promise you. Th- this was one of those where I'm like, I'm on the first page and I'm like, okay, one game. <laughs> All right, this isn't going to be a good year then, I guess. Gotcha. And then I get to the next page and I'm like, oh, okay, there's a few more. And then I get to the last page, I'm like, never mind. <laughs> my, my, you know, my tabs open for games to remember to look at yep. has now grown from you know three to. 15 or whatever number I have. Yeah, I think mine is 29. <laughs> I count. I was going to send you a Facebook thing about, hey, I got 29 games. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sitting at 13 All right. right now. Awesome. So, welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, fuck. Did we not intro earlier? <laughs> no, I don't think oh we did. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the end of time, I am Michael. I'm Chris. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a record, Chris. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast where we don't acknowledge our podcast. Oops. Man. Well, that's that's like one of the first official slips for this fucking show. It's all right. I can... Uh, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, as the title of the episode tells you, this is another year in review. This is one of our reoccurring series on the End of Time podcast, and basically for the end of years, uh, the the, uh, the end of years, for the years <laughs> in review, we go through a year of video game in history, and predominantly we we pick the games. Uh, we could go above and beyond and pick the hardware that came out, any any good uh, gaming like news that came out that year, uh, big milestones, big events. But we've calmly uh, resorted to just video games. Um, we may do like a hardware review down the future, maybe a, a big you know big moments in gaming history. That sounds like an episode thing to me, but. Uh, this is, these episodes, uh, primarily we just go through the year and we just talk about games that, uh, either have made an impact, but usually games that we have played and have some experience with. And just in general, if we see a title that we know something about or choose to talk about it, we'll just, just blurb about it for a minute. This year we are doing, for the year of review, we are doing 1991. Uh, at this point the Super Nintendo has already came out. And making making headway, it's making headlines. The Nintendo Entertainment System still has games out. Still, they're still making games for the NES, as I saw as I perused the list. A lot of Nintendo games in there. But just for sake of clarity, and just for sake of if you want to help, if you want to follow along, 
You can uh, just you can just look in Wikipedia, just Wikipedia video games, 1991, and you can go down a list and see what games that that came up in this list that you would like to talk about and whatnot. And uh, we'll have emails and stuff down at the end of the episode for you to send us comments for. Right now, we're gonna dive into 1991. Yep. Starting at the top of my list in the A's, I've got Adventure Island Two. Um, this. Very cool fucking game for me. I remember when I talked about Adventure Island 1 for the Nintendo. I I hope that I pointed out the difficulty. Uh, Adventure Island is a side-scroller, and it's one of those, like, you got one-hit-you're-dead scenarios. Yeah. It does have some power upgrades, and uh, you can move, you can uh, upgrade your attack to a fireball, etc., etc. I think you can throw a tomahawk. You can even get a fucking skateboard. It's set in this... Pseudo prehistoric, pseudo uh, island style setting. You go to volcanoes, you go waterfalls, shit like that. Adventure Island 2, I thoroughly enjoyed over the first one because this one had animals in it. You could go around the world and randomly come across these. They, the, the icon designation was a card symbol, like a spade, uh, heart, etc., etc. And when you would pick these up, you would trans, uh, not transform into, that would be Little Nemo, but you would have a, uh animal to ride on that would let you go through the level in a different way. There was like a pterodactyl, you could pick up a card up, and it would, you, you turn, there would be a pterodactyl that would form underneath you, which lets you fly. There was a, uh, Loch Ness type monster that you could jump on and basically made the, the water areas easier to swim through, and a lot, that your mode of traveling the water was faster, or your speed of traveling the water was faster. Uh, there was one that looked like uh, like I don't want to say Triceratops. It, it was just, it, he had it was red. Uh, he had this carapace on his head, and he he would swing his tail out and have like an attack that would lash out. And I forget the fourth one, but I I liked the animals in this. I also liked the fact that you could collect the cards. You could you could collect multiple copies of the cards, which meant that you, when you go to select a level. You could also select an uh, animal to ride in when you pick the level, so you could you could you could have a stockade of these uh, these uh, I keep saying animals dinosaurs. You could have a stockade of these dinosaurs to ride on top of. Had a, had more entertainment fun out of two and three because three also carried the the same mechanics over. But had a good time with Adventure Island two. Way way more than one. I've beaten both of them, but I've gone through Adventure Island two multiple times, multiple times. Any A's for you, Chris? Nope. Battle Toads, it is then. Yep. Battle Toads for the NES. Now I want to want to talk a little bit about the memification of Battle Toads. <laughs> okay. The running joke for people on the internet, if you don't fucking know, in the gaming world, is call your local video game store and ask them if they have a copy of Battle Toads. Sounds like the stupidest shit in the world because who has a copy of Battle Toads? Maybe older games. Maybe get. Maybe stores that sell older games do, or stores that incorporate older games, but nobody nobody does. Stupid thing to do. The reason why it's a meme is because, well, if you have everybody doing that across the nation, it becomes a fucking thing. It's hilarious. Everybody does the Battletoads thing. I heard joke and joke after Battletoads. I grew up with Battletoads. Okay, this is one of my childhood games. Difficult? Uh, yes. The speeder bike level. This for me, Battle Toads and Teenage 
Mutant Ninja Turtles for the Nintendo share the same thing for me, where there is a world-known level, a a nemesis level, if you will, mm-hmm. Chris, in the game that everybody knows. Everybody knows the original Nintendo, the original uh, Nintendo game, that the the Ninja Turtles game. There is a underwater dam level where you gotta fucking disarm bombs and. There's seaweed that could hurt you when you touch it, and there's electrical wires that'll zap you and take energy off. Everybody knows Ninja Turtles for that level. Everybody knows Battletoads for the Speed Racer level. Yeah. Uh, it's a speeder bike level. You get on this bike and you get to sections. First, you have a side-scrolling area first where you got to actually punch shit, but then there's a speeder bike level where you're going left to right, and the speed increases, and you got to jump over pits, and you got to dodge walls, and it gets it's. Urgh, I get it. It's, it's pattern. It's pattern memorization, and it's difficult. Everybody remembers those two levels from those two games. I remember another level in Ninja Turtles for me that once I got past that level, it was way harder. There are levels that I remember in Battletoads that were way harder once you got past the speeder bike level. Uh, but I guess in the general populace, you know, if there is a wall type level, that's what's going to happen. Everybody's going to make it to that wall. They're going to try repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And it's going to stick in their brain because they do or don't get past it because it's, they spend so much time on it. Uh, speeder bike level aside, I love this game. Uh, I've only beat it a couple times and I will admit totally I cheated using a game genie to do it. Be- uh, this is one of those games where I just didn't give a fuck. Uh, there are a lot of games after the point in my life when I beat uh, Ghoul, uh, Ghosts and Goblins for the NES where I said, you know what, I've fucking done my time and I don't fucking care anymore. Not all of them. Th- this was one of them because there are levels in this game. Okay, there's a level in this game where you are falling from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. And there is, I, I, I don't, I th- there's something chasing you. And the floor underneath you will rotate left and right with, with gaps in it. So the gap will be moving left to right. And you are consistently, repeatedly falling through this level and running left or running right, trying to navigate and strategically fall through the holes in the floor. Because if that fucking rat thing touches you, you're dead. Like, instant death. And there are a... There's like 800 floors in this fucking thing you gotta make it through. So you're constantly dodging... There's also enemies in the arena, uh, in the stage. There's fucking stage hazards to dodge. You're trying to run through the gaps in the floor as quickly as humanly possible. It's another pattern memorization thing. I get it, but that was my crutch. That was my... Man, fuck this shit. Uh, I think I used a level skip on the game genie or something. I don't mm. remember. I just I just went past the level. Anyway, a uh, lot of colors in this game, a lot of variety, a lot of good mechanics. Uh, don't remember too many glitchy type things in this game. It holds up pretty well to this day. Has a excuse me has a bigger brother on the Super Nintendo called Super Battletoads and Battle Maniacs. Love it too. Big fan of Battletoads. Did you ever play Battletoads as a kid, Chris? I played it not as much as. Uh... A lot of people did, but I did, you know, I was exposed to it and I played it a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't think I played anything past the speeder level because I think that's pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like so, level three. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking three. And I think that's actually, I think I got past it on the rare replay when that came out. It's one of the games that's on it. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know how far I got, but it was one of those days where I was 
you know, after I bought the rare replays, going through all the games on, I was like, all right, I'm going to spend 30 minutes on this one, 30 minutes on this one, you know. So I wasn't sitting down to actually play and beat the game. I just wanted to go back and play it for a little bit and see what I thought about it at that point. Uh, so I didn't get very far. I think I got two or at just past the uh, speeder level. Uh-huh. I was like, all right, yep, I remember this fun game. Let's see what else is it's on got, here. It's got a lot of a lot of level variety. Get, oh yeah, there's uh, the first the first stage is left to right. Fucking beat them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 uh, the other thing that Battletoads is known for is that their their feet and head and and hands they will morph into different things to attack things right. or enemies on the screen like. If you punch an enemy enough, their hands may turn into a symbol to 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 whack them. They their feet will turn extremely huge when they kick them, and they'll kick them off stage. Their head will turn into a fucking ram horn, and they'll or into ram's horns. They'll ram the enemies, stuff like that. But first stage, you got you got left to right, fucking beat them up with all that involved. You can pick up a pipe somewhere in there. You can beat things. Uh, the first enemy is uh. You're fighting an enemy from a, in a first person's perspective, from the enemy's perspective, which that's fucking cool. Second second stage, you're fucking rappelling down a long uh pipe, a long shaft type area, uh, attacking enemies on the wall, dodging dodging hazards. You turn into a you can hold yourself against either the left or the right wall and turn into a big fucking iron that swings across the arena. Third stage, speeder bike level. Uh, I think the fourth stage is the fucking snakes where you're climbing these gigantic snakes that go in these weird line patterns up the, the arena. Uh, just a lot, a lot of good stuff in this game. It is extremely difficult the further you go, but good game. Had good times with it. Leads me to Blaster Master. Chris, have you played Blaster Master in your life? Uh, let me pull it up again real quick. I think we talked about nope. this before we may oh, have this is blaster master jr mm. oh is that what this one is yeah oh that's the well, game Boy i game. didn't mm, i didn't play that one that's my <laughs> b i thought it was just a blaster master okay well then any other b's for you uh let's see uh i didn't play it but it was another bomberman game bomberman 2 oh yeah Mm. Uh, so that's a series that's still around and we'll frequently frequently see those entries in here. Oh, yeah. Speaking of frequent entries, Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge. Mm-hmm. What a departure from the first <laughs> game. Now, I say that if you're looking at the game, you may not see that. It is still side-scrolling. It is still platforming. It is still whipping and using items. But the way this game is designed compared to the first one is different. This one has a pseudo RPG style to it. But that, the first one did not. And that one's the uh, Game Boy game. This one is too? Yeah. I didn't play this neither. Moving the fuck <laughs> on. Jesus. Uh, in my defense, I didn't. Okay, so just so we're clear, because mm-hmm. I don't have the wiki page pulled up. Um, Actually, I am a stolen cold liar. I do. Let me scroll down to the C's. Because I actually, I did my homework this time, damn it. I made mm-hmm. a fucking list. Uh, Castlevania 2, Belmont's Revenge. All right. Well, the, oh, 
I'm a fucking retard. <laughs> Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest is the Nintendo one. Man, I wonder how many people I just pissed off. I wonder how many people were pulling their hair out of their head. What the fuck is he talking about? He said, yeah. he said, Belmont's Revenge. That's not Simon's Quest. And, and I'm pretty sure you talked about it when we talked about 88. Yep, I did. So, whoopsie. I blame nothing but myself. <laughs> Double uh, NECs for you, Chris? Uh, no. Double Dragon 3, The Sacred Stones. Uh, this is the NES game. I'm waiting for some clicks. Yep, NES game. Okay, <laughs> thought so. Ooh, I got one right. Okay. And unfortunately, I can't really talk about this one because I actually, this is one of the games that I bought early in the years. This game, this obviously this game came out in the later end of the NES cycle uh, lifespan. And I had bought this. This was kind of one of those games where at the last end of Nintendo's life, I was like, yeah, just grab it real quick and move on to the Super Nintendo games. Uh, this game, from what I remember, is extremely difficult compared to the second one, and I just, it just didn't feel the same as the first, uh, as Double Dragon 2, which Double Dragon 2 is my favorite. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't played this one recently, and I don't even think I've played it since then, so I can't really give an accurate, like, review of things that I didn't like about this game. All I can tell you is that when this game came out, or when I played this game as a as a kid, probably ten ish, eleven years old, maybe even twelve. I played it for probably about two hours, and I just like I just don't like this. It just didn't feel <laughs> like the Double Dragon that I just came off of, mm -hmm. and it, I'm pretty sure I played Double Dragon two multiple times past that. So, uh, from what I remember from hearing from other people about this game, is there they kind of echoed my sentiments. It's not they, it doesn't feel the same. It's it's kind of difficult, and it just it's it's not the worst Double Dragon game in history, but definitely not as good as as the other titles. Uh, but a game that did come out and start a very what what I would consider a competition franchise to the Doom series. Mm -hmm. Duke Nukem came out this year. Oh, yeah. Duke yep. Nukem's first game. Very early looking Duke Nukem. Okay, folks, you're not getting, you're not even getting fucking PlayStation looking. Uh, we're talking 1991. Uh, old school PC style looks to it. Uh, I never played it. I just wanted to mention it because this was when the first Duke Nukem game came out. It has a storied history. It has a lineage to it. I would say it is, man, if I'm giving my personal opinion, Chris, I'm going to say this is like the third most important first-person shooter of that era. It would be Doom and then Wolfenstein and then Duke Nukem. If those three were in a trilogy, if they sure. were in like a competition. Sure. Um, yeah, Duke Nukem's had a very uh, down-up, down, I don't know, it had a very wavy history, especially with that god-awful thing that came out for the 360. Uh, but this was when Duke Nukem 1 came out, if you ever want to know. That's your history lesson for today, folks. <laughs> this is also the year that the first Earth Defense Force came out. Chris, I'm ask you a very important question. Have you ever played any Earth Defense Force? You know, I don't think so. 
EDF is usually what people. It's it's like one of those games that just it it gets shortened down. It's yeah. EDF. I, I feel there like are, I might have, but only mm-hmm. like trying it or something. I don't. I don't know. It does sound familiar, so I'm at least aware of it. This is. It's okay if if you haven't, because even for me, with my fucking view of the gaming world. This game came up in little, like, flashes. I never heard about EDF. Full disclosure, I never heard about EDF until I subscribed to the uh, YouTube channel uh, Classic Game Review. Uh, He talked about this game and all the games in the EDF saga a lot. And I had this game, I had this, this series, this franchise rammed down my throat. And I just heard about it over and over and over. It's just through GDQ. I mean, a classic game room. As I heard about it more, I kind of became more interested. I have a couple of them in my gaming library, I believe for the 360. And uh, they're good, just fucking nonsensical shoot 'em up up Basically, there's fucking giant insects invading the world, and you are a kind of over-the-back camera angle human uh, shooting anything from, you know, 30-foot-tall ants to... 5,000 foot tall alien beings. Very good shoot 'em up, uh, blast 'em up style gameplay. I think that's where uh, I heard of it was the giant ants. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually what people know, know it from is the giant insect shooting game. Uh, as far as entertainment, it, it's good. It's a, it is a fun game. Uh, the, as it go, I, I believe most of them toward the later end of the series have like upgrades. You can upgrade the weapons and stuff like that. So, but I have not played the first Earth Defense Force, but I put this one on the list just like Duke Nukem because this is when the first one came out. This was a Jellico game for the SNES. Another first in the series, kicking open the fucking door. The first one, Fatal Fury, King of Fighters. Everything I just said about those two games, I'm saying about this one. I never played the first Fatal Fury, King of Fighters. Uh, this is a Neo Geo title. But this was the first. The Fatal Fury series is a long-standing uh, SNK series. The King of Fighters is a long-standing SNK series. It all started here in 1991. Um, I may mention before that I don't play a lot of fighting games. Uh, I don't think Chris does either. I'm not the I'm not the most well versed in them, but I do enjoy them just for the stories. Like they all have intricately intricately woven stories within them. Yeah. And I like them. Um while I've blown past these letters, anything from you up till up till now? Nope. You kept saying first in the series, and I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I completely, like, I overlooked the King of Fighters. Because I, I know King of Fighters. I've played the later games, uh, at least a couple of them. Uh, I just completely missed this. I didn't realize it was the start of that. Yep. Well, Chris, uh, the fourth in the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Final <laughs> Fantasy Four came out this year. Now, this is going to be a... Kind of a bending the rules here thing. Um, I actually, I'm just gonna stick to my. I'm gonna stick to mine. This is when Final Fantasy IV came out in Japan. I never played Final Fantasy IV, so I'm not talking about that mm-hmm. one. I'll wait until the SNES 
Final Fantasy 2 comes out. I'm guessing that's going to be next year. But, again, just some history lessons. Just giving you guys some fucking platinums. If you want to know when it came out, Final Fantasy 4 came out in 1991. Um, unless you want to talk about Final Fantasy IV, Chris. I've, I've started working on the uh, Steam version. Uh-huh. So I don't really have much for it right now. Uh, Is that the 3D one? Yeah, and that that's when I got... I was like, I'm not really a huge fan of this right now. <laughs> oh, I, I, think we've, I think we've treaded out. I think we've treaded this path. Yeah, when we were talking about the series. Yeah, um, that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. I again, I can respect that. I have had many games where it's like, man, I didn't, I don't like, I don't like what they did here. This one, for whatever reason, I liked they they treated this one with respect in my eyes, and I and I and I dig it. Unfortunately, uh, Persona Five came in and said, "Can you move out the way, Final Fantasy Four, please? I'm coming through here." Yeah. And then you know now they got a wars in there. Yeah, I'll get I'll get back to it in some in some time. Golden Axe Two. Chris, I want to correct something here. Not and not for the podcast. For me. Okay. Back in our past, mm-hmm. was Golden Axe Two the Golden Axe that Andy had? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. So I can talk about this one a little bit. There are quite a few Golden Axe games out there. Mm-hmm. I believe it even got like a PlayStation Two kind of re-release, or maybe it was the three sixty. The uh. Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection had it on Xbox 360 and PS3. Yeah, but there was, I, correct me if I'm wrong, audience or Chris, but I could have swore there was a Golden Axe, like a 3D, like newer game that came out five, ten years ago. I don't know. Anyway, totally beside the point. Golden Axe is one of those treasured, uh, the the Genesis is known for this game, game, uh, side scrolling hack and slash. You're in a fantasy world. You play. You can play as a fucking a, a dwarven, uh, axe wielding warrior, a fucking barbarian. This is fucking side scrolling slash up D and D, folks. That's basically what it is. Very very watered down mechanics, though. There's mm-hmm. no dice rolling or shit like that. This is basically the it's. Again, it's side-scrolling beat 'em up with a D and D flavor around it. Uh, there was there were uh, animals that you could pick up and ride as well. There were magic attacks you could use at like screen clearing attacks. The shit between levels where you could you know hit the fucking little elf, not a little goblin looking things, and get treasure out of it. Yeah. Um, I don't remember playing this as much as I played. Uh, I'm having a bl- altered beast in play- in two player mode. Definitely don't remember playing it as much as we played Biohazard Battle. Mm-hmm. But I do remember playing Golden Axe every now and again. And again, for a side scrolling hack and slash game, it's it's fun, entertaining. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting to have the different uh, classes, so to speak. You yeah. know, with the different uh, characters. It, it was really... I think this is the... I, I don't want to say the first, but it's certainly one of the major uh, side-scrolling influences for me. Uh, you know, there's Streets of Rage. 
there was Altered Beast, and there was Golden Axe. Those yeah. are kind of the three big all Sega Genesis games, because that's kind of where I started at as far as, you know, mm-hmm. big stuff. Uh, that was the core of my side-scrolling. Yeah. Uh, Joe and Mac, I'm only bringing this up be kind of, kind of the same way that I brought up Earth Defense Force. The only reason why I knew that Joe and Mac existed is because this was the first JonTron video that I ever watched on YouTube. Love JonTron's, uh, JonTron's content. I love him. Uh, I miss the days where he was, uh, with Aaron and I missed that Game Grumps. I actually have a Game Grump shirt that I bought way after the fact, and it's it's fucking Aaron and John. But uh, Joe and Mac side-scrolling uh, platforming set on a prehistoric era. It's an interesting game to watch. I never played it. I've only seen it played through a few times just because of John Tron. So I just figured I'd bring that up just as a personal little 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 nod. Yeah, I, I've seen a few speed runs of it, but I've never actually played it myself. Yeah. And that's okay, because I can definitely talk about the next game on the list, and really the one underneath it, too. Uh, <laughs> little game from a little franchise Nintendo. You may have heard of it. Mm-hmm. God, that's such a cliche thing to, shit, <laughs> to say. I gotta stop doing shit like that. Uh, the next game that I'm gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about, because I know Chris has played this. He better have, anyway. The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Take it away, Chris. So, uh, it's a Zelda game. Um, oh, no. I, I, uh, so I have played this a bit. I have not okay. beat it. Um, okay. I actually it's have okay. your cartridge for it, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, along with your Final Fantasy 2 cartridge. Yep. Uh, but I have not beat it. Um, I've watched speedruns of it and all that too. So I, I know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this was, let's see, I'm not <clears throat> as familiar with the Zelda series as you are, but this is the third one in the series. And this was, I think this was the real big turning point for it. Yeah. This was when the uh, the kind of overview, the graphics were different because this was, you know, SNES, of course, anyway. But it was also the different, style kind of comparison to the other two games which i remember the you know the original zelda and it had that real blocky approach to the map and stuff and this one you know has the uh round sides and actually you know not just 90 degree corners and stuff like that uh it's not a grid pattern on the screen essentially so it was definitely a big difference as far as that goes uh new equipment um introduced that persists to uh this day like the hook shot was started in that one uh the spin attack this was the first one Mm -hmm. that you could spin attack in Mm -hmm. uh is it really the master sword also was that not in uh, the, the Master Sword's debut? No. There was just some generic sword in the other ones. This okay. one had the had a theme of the Master Sword. Okay. So this was yeah, so this was a lot of firsts for it. And I think really the 
<laughs> I think this is what made the series. Yeah. You know, the first two weren't bad as far as games go, but I think this one is really the one that gave it that extra boost it needed to become the uh, behemoth that it is today. You know, you know what else helped facilitate that? What's up? This this is uh, a game that had one of the uh, package bundles. This came with Super Nintendo's. Ah. Super Nintendo's came with this game. Yeah, this was. Uh, this is kind of a to the heart game for me because this was the first time that I have ever purchased a video game console of, on my own with my own money. And it was a Super Nintendo with the Legend of Zelda Link to the Past in it. Literally carried that over my head with the world's biggest grin on my face <laughs> out of the fucking Walmart store when I bought that. Mowed lawns, saved up money, sweat, sweated a summer or two. I probably just won. And yeah. Uh, but true, all the things you said about this game, exactly true. This is definitely a upward momentum movement for this game uh better graphics means a lot for things better music also means a lot for things uh things talking about game uh attributes and traits and qualities doesn't mean everything but again when you go back and play the legend of zelda for the nes and you play the link to the past for the snes you're getting a different flavor uh a lot of the original Zelda was kind of go fucking figure it out. Legend of Zelda Link to the Past guides you most of the way. They have narrative where you can talk to people and the narrative will actually tell you things that you need to do. There's no really cryptic things about it. Uh, it's got a good progression through it. The theming is more, the area theming is more direct and more concise the the whole theme of light uh, not light and dark but oh uh, yeah light world and dark world yeah. all fits in all flows uh transitioning in the same area being in the light world and then transitioning in the same area to the dark world and seeing all the graphical changes all the thematic changes the music the level of the level of detail of this game is is great it still holds up. I, I'm 100% confident saying this game still hold, holds up to this day. Yeah. Uh, you had uh, the, the the system of having areas that have bosses and having the air. Just the areas being life unto themselves, great. And it started, really started here. You could make, I, I will grant you, you can make arguments for all this stuff for the other any for the NES game as well. I'm not kicking that game in the dirt. I'm not. That was the first one. It has its place. But when you compare the two, I feel like you get more of a direct adventure in A Link to the Past as uh -huh. opposed to the NES one. Uh, this this game is great, man. This is up there. This is definitely up there in the the greats of all time masterpieces. You know, like we mentioned before, Final Fantasy VI stuff like that. Uh, personally, for me, this is probably one of the worst, uh, one of the most heartfelt personal battles I've ever had to do in my gaming career. Again, was when I came when it came down to making my personal top fifteen list of all time. 
which I know top lists really don't mean shit to everybody, but it means something to me when I can look at a list and go, this is it. Yeah. Like, this is the fucking cream of the crop for me personally in my life. Uh, yeah, uh, man, I'm not, no joke. And we're talking months. I went through both these games twice back to fucking back and did homework and fucking had, I, I can go in my office right now and go to this gigantic fucking chart I made of comparing. Uh, I was only going to put either Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time or Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past on that wall. And Ocarina of Time finally, it finally beat it out. I could sit here, it would take me fucking hours to, to list out individual reasons why it did, but that's the fucking minutia that it came down to. Um, I played through both of the, those games recently. I played through A Link to the Past recently. I think I played through Link to the Past just last year. I think I played. I think I played both of those last year. Um, I will say, I will admit that I can go through Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past faster, but there's still such a world in Link to the Past. There's still such a vibrant, colorful, energetic themed world in A Link to the Past. It is a it is a nice, tight bundle. I I go f- as far as to say that if you've never played a Zelda game, this is where this is one of the ones you want to start with. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to have, and I'm saying this loosely too because they're not that complicated. But uh, you don't have the complications of 3D or, of combat here. You've got standard combat. You have early. You have your sword early. You have your shield early, and you progressively get items uh, as you go through the game, and you progressively get upgrades as you go through the game. Good starter game. A masterpiece in gaming as a whole right here. Which would lead me into the next game. Man, I've got I've, I I got one two. more. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I know which one you're going to go to next, I think. <laughs> but... Uh, I almost overlooked this since I was going back to the list again. But another, I think, huge game that came out that year is Lemmings. Lemmings. I have never played a single one. I know what it is. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I, I distinctly remember seeing, I can see the magazine article in my head right now with the purple shirt and the fucking green hair. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. game, I spent so much time on it, and it's one of those that... Uh, I played in school. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was when I was in fourth grade. Uh, it was the first time we had uh, computers in the classroom. And, you know, most of the games were those old school educational type ones. Yeah. But this was one of the only games, uh, aside from those, that was on the computer. And there were like five or six computers in the classroom. And we would just spend tons of time uh, playing this game. And what it is, is it is a... Uh, game and lemmings uh, for those that don't know are animals that are kind of notorious for hurting themselves Uh, so in the game your lemmings are uh, are bipedal in the game they're uh, Mm -hmm. anthropomorphized uh, and they start from their starting point and they walk until they either fall and die run into something that kills them, hit a wall, and then they turn around and walk the opposite way until something else happens. So your Mm -hmm. whole objective at this point is to assign jobs to the least number of lemmings possible 
to get them all to safety. And there will be a door or whatever they all jump through at the end of the level. So you'll assign uh, lemmings as basically stop, as basically as walls. So they just stand there and hold their hands out and they bounce, you know, lemmings off them and whatnot. Uh, You'll Mm -hmm. assign builders that will actually uh, build a staircase one step at a time for like 10 steps. And then you have to assign someone else at the very end of it because they will stack stairs. So you have to time it and you have to make sure that your stairs aren't too far over because then they'll fall to their deaths before they get over whatever obstacle. (laughs) Um, There are ones that dig. So you're like digging through a wall kind of. uh, If you played the Worms games, you have the blowtorch. It's kind of like that, except for much slower, and it's doing with its hand uh, to dig through like a rock or something. Uh, mm-hmm. So you'll build these stairs to cross a gap, build, uh, dig through these rocks to get across the level, and whatever else you have to do. You can actually purposely blow up a lemming, have it suicide. Uh, and I actually used the audio clip from that for a flash thing I made a long time ago because it's this little voice that goes. <clears throat> Wow, didn't even get that out. It's like, what? oh no, type thing. And then it yeah. goes boom. So I used that <laughs> as a sound effect in something I made. And it's, it's one of those games. It's basically just a puzzle game, but it mm-hmm. is so addicting. It's one of those that's like, oh, one more level, one more level. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah so that came out in 91. I didn't play it, like I said, until fourth grade. So it was, you know, mid-90s when I actually played it. And I later, you know, found a copy of it to play at home and i know there are future games in the series uh but i think this one is really the one in the series it's one of the series that didn't get in my opinion i don't think it really got better as it went on the original is still the best one yeah it's cool man it's cool yeah like i said unfortunately i've never played a single lemmings and the only thing i know about them is i i got the gist of what the game was later in life mm-hmm. but uh, never, never played one. I played games kind of like it, like I played Lost Vikings, which, eh, I guess kind of. You're manipulating stuff. You're ma- manipulating characters in the game to maneuver through the level. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, the next game. So this is a very, very, very important game to me. <laughs> uh, came out in 1991. And you know what, Chris, since our debacle earlier, before I get into this four and a half hour long tirade. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not. I'm literally not going to be that long. But let me make sure that this is the NES game because Mega Man games are known, and it is, for having uh, yeah the same number but on different consoles. So uh the next game on the list for me to talk about unless chris is so i'd love to hear input from him as well is uh mega man 4 for the nes we'll go ahead and throw this out right now folks you can get your you can get your torches ready you can get you can get your list together and throw everything in this world you want to at me but this game is my absolute favorite video game of all time this is on my this is number one on my personal wall of video games of all time. To me, there is no other better game out there. There is no other game I would ever put above this game. That comes with a big asterisk, okay, before I even get to talking about the game itself. This game has a special place in my life. This is one of those games that you can't touch because it's a personal fucking love. 
This game has personal memories. And it's nothing like my mom got me this before she died or, you know, my best friend. It was the first gift I ever had. Nothing crazy like that. This was just a game that I thoroughly love and enjoyed and have this just fucking unmatched desire to play and love. I love this. I love playing this game more than I love playing Final Fantasy back in the day. And that's fucking saying something. It, it was just, it came to me at a time in my life where I was extremely, it's, I can't describe the happiness I had playing this game. And I can't tell you why. Like, I can't, it's got great level design, and it's more of the same of Mega Man. This was technically the first Mega Man game I ever played, so maybe, maybe that's what it was. But on a personal side, this game has a, and immeasurable amount of fucking nostalgia to it to me and it's just, it's my comfort game this is like the game for me uh now pushing all that to the side and looking at the game itself this is the fourth Mega Man game for the nes this is uh the fourth game in the franchise the the main i'd say the main standard Mega Man franchise at the time as it has been with Mega Man's up to this point, it's like I said earlier, it's it's more the same. You got eight robot masters. You can, uh, through a series of trial and error, you can use the you gain weapons from the boss you killed, and you can use that weapon on another boss, and it'll be it'll have significant weakness, or if not, it'll do some type of uh, extra damage style things to it. This was more of the same in Mega Man. You're not going to get a huge variation from this. There were some additions in this game that, that came about, like most Mega Man started to do with adopting new things. There was uh, the Mega Buster made its first appearance in this Mega Man. Uh, up until this point, you could never charge the Mega Man uh, Mega Man's standard Buster, and this one you can't. Charging the buster gives you a more powerful shot. When you release it, it takes a couple seconds to charge. It, take, it takes a couple seconds to charge up, and you can hold the charge as long as you hold the button down and you don't die. Uh, Rush comes back in this one. He's got a jet form. He's got a submarine form. He's got a spring form. You have uh, two new types of weapons to use that aren't necessarily uh, damaging, except for, for one of them kind of is. You have a... Uh, a, wa uh, a a balloon, which you can throw these balloons out. They act like floating platforms, so that's kind of like another uh, rush-type mobility aid. You also have this wire that seems kind of pointless. You basically look up, and it throws this wire from your hand to the whatever ceiling thing you hit, and then you can you can uh, basically retract yourself up to where it, where it hooked onto. This is actually a weapon that I use to this day, uh, fighting one of the Wily uh, area bosses, though it's not Wily, it's Doctor Cossack this time. That's the uh, that's the that's another thing about this game is it's not Wily. It's after you this time. It's this new person called Doctor Cossack. I'm not gonna spoil this game. Uh, you can read this. You can play the game and get the story for yourself. It's an old game. It's 91. It's okay. Um. New level designs, some of them are not exactly the greatest in the world. Uh, I'm sorry, boss designs. There's uh, uh, one particular boss in here is actually the one I would suggest people start with is uh, Toad Man, and he's probably <laughs> one of the easiest Mega Man bosses in existence. 
you shoot this fucker, he jumps up in the air, you walk underneath him, you shoot him, he jumps back up in the air, you walk underneath him. It's literally that fucking easy. Um, I have beat this game several times. I have beat this game Buster only a few times. I have played this game. It is this, It is ludicrous the amount of times I've played this game. Uh, collectively, I have probably put more hours into this game than Breath of the Wild and Persona 5 combined. Uh, I'm only saying that to remind people this is a comfort game for me. I could play this game at any point in my life and just be like, ah, it's good. To this day, that's why that game is where it is on my wall. This game is 19 fucking 91. And I could play it right now, and just, I'm I'm blissed. I wish I could describe it to you. I wish I could tell. I wish I could tell you what fucking drug I took, <laughs> or what nano machines are in my brain that specifically make this digital color and movement of pixels go click for me. I can't. I've tried to. All I know is this is a comfort game from my childhood. This is the first Mega Man game I ever played, if that means anything to it. I don't feel like it does, but it was the first. Um, this is at a time in my life where gaming was becoming more important, and maybe that was it. That was part of it. I don't know. Great Mega Man game. Uh, it is my favorite Mega Man game, but if I'm looking at it analytically, there are other Mega Man games that are better. I mean, Mega Man X, come on, folks, come on. But... I love Mega Man 4, man. I love that game. I will always love it. It's it's fucking it's 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 all it's comfort for me. It's the best way I can describe it. Um Mega Man 2 came out for the Game Boy. I will talk about this one and Dr. Wily's Revenge only for a moment because I've only played these both games respectively once. Uh-huh. And that was for my uh Mega Man Mega Man uh, or whatever you called it. Yeah, the 25th anniversary run. Uh, basically, uh, I on Mega Man's 25th anniversary, the December of that year, I ran through. I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was just 25 Mega Man titles. I went through all the classics, all the X's. Well, most of the X's. I don't think I touched X7 or X8. Uh, all the Game Boy games and just a handful of other ones. I think I went through zero, one through three and four. I didn't do the Battle Network. I did a bu- 25 Mega Man games basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the first time for me that I had played some of those Game Boy games. Well, I think I played one or two of them in the past, but they're extremely hard. Like, they are no fucking joke. Hard shit. Um, I played them in, uh, played them that year, and I ran through most of them. Some of them I didn't complete. complete. I, I had to go pull a list out and look at them. But, um, yeah. I mean, they're Mega Man games for the Game Boy. Scaled down graphics, of course. Uh, Mega Man is extremely big on those screens. There's a lot of a lot of large sprite artwork on that screen on those screens. Very difficult, very challenging. A lot of cheap deaths, a lot of bullshit deaths. <laughs> but you know, it's the Game Boy. What are you gonna do? Yeah, uh, I ran through them, played them a little bit. It's about all I can say about them. Uh, Metroid Two: Return of Samus, the Game Boy game. Yes, I know that one for sure. <laughs> this game will always hold a place in my mind because I had uh I forget I have to I should have fucking looked it up for the episode. The Handy Boy was the name of it, I believe. There was an an adapter an 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 adapter apparatus, I guess you can say, for the Game Boy back in the day. It's called the Handy Boy. This thing added a 
um, magnifying lens to your Game Boy. Uh-huh. It added a joy, a uh, uh, an analog stick, and raised buttons for the controls on your Game Boy. But it also had these two fold-out speakers for your Game Boy, which put the game sound to you in stereo. And I will forever remember having this game at the same time with that. And always remember hearing that intro music, that da 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 in stereo. I remember the first time I heard that shit on this cheap-ass <laughs> knockoff stereo sound because... I'm pretty sure the Game Boy puts out mono, uh-huh. so it just kind of you know duels it and offsets the audio to make it sort of stereo. Yeah, but I remember being fucking awesome. Uh, we'll say that I've only made it probably two or three Metroids into this game. I never beat it. I had it at a time in my life where it was kind of difficult for me, and I don't. I can't remember if I traded it. No, I think this was one of the few games, the few Game Boy games in my life, actually a few video games in my life, that the game actually broke. I can't remember if I dropped it or if it got wet or if it just stopped working. I I, I want to say that I, have, I bought this game used off of somebody mm-hmm. or maybe even traded it. And after a few weeks of having it, it just stopped working. And I didn't have money to send it off to get it repaired. And I wasn't going to try to repair it myself. So I never, I never did finish it. It has been uh, re-released recently. Uh, it's uh, Metroid: The Return of Samus. I think it was. Uh, it was there's there, there's a 3DS game that came out in 2017. For anybody wanting to know, and uh, we'll we'll get to that game when 17 rolls around. But this game, uh, it's 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 Metroid. If if you don't know, it's side scrolling. Uh, as Chris mentioned before, the very uh, the very obvious thing about this game. When you hear the, the phrase Metroidvania, that's Metroid and Castlevania slammed together. Well, Metroid is the part of Metroid. Uh, side-scrolling, shoot up a lot of... Uh, I don't, now, I don't remember how much of the quote-unquote Metroidvania-style play was in Metroid 2. I do remember going left to right and shooting with her. I do remember... I want to say I remember picking up missiles... But I don't know if it's, I don't remember how much of that get upgraded weapons, get different types of blasters, get different suits of armor to progress the different areas. I don't remember how much of that was in Metroid 2. Because again, unfortunately, I didn't play it. I didn't play it all the way through. But I do know the generic left to right shooting, jumping, shoot aliens, that's there. So... Uh, Ninja Gaiden 3, The Ancient Ship of Doom. We just want to bring this up because this is the third game in the Ninja Gaiden series and uh, from the 20 minutes I think I played of this back in the day. <laughs> uh, easy enough to talk about Ninja Gaiden. It's fucking hard. Yeah. Extremely difficult. So go out and there's actually, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, Chris, the Ninja Gaiden Trilogy, the original Ninja Gaiden Trilogy was released for the Super Nintendo in a trilogy form. Yes. So I believe that's that's one way that if you, if anybody has an interest to play it, that's one way to do it. And that uh, that they're, they're, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know if it's the whole trilogy or just this game, but it's also on the uh, Wii Virtual Console and 3DS. Nice. Yeah, many ways to play it. If you ever want to know 
Uh, Ninja Gaiden is one of those old school games that is the staple for the phrase, yeah, this shit was hard back then, man. Games were hard, like crazy difficult. That's one of them. This is the third in the series, released in 1991, just as hard as the other ones. Never, I've only, again, I've only played it a little bit, but I don't remember having disdain for it like I did with Double Dragon 3, but I remember being difficult, probably just said, fuck this, and turned the game off. Yeah. Another game uh, we kind of skipped over on the M's. I haven't actually played it, but I have seen gameplay of later ones and uh, played a little bit of myself, but... Might and Magic 3 was released. Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. another fairly huge series. It's more of a... Uh, it's more of a niche game. Um, yeah. But it's definitely got a pretty big following. So, I don't even know what number they're on now. Let me see. 10. Uh, it came out yeah. in 2014. Uh, I think that's the last one I saw. And I actually put it on my Steam list. I don't know if I ever bought it or not. Uh, but it, yeah. it's got that following still. Just, yeah. I unfortunately haven't played a single Might and Magic, but it's one of those that I can acknowledge and respect from a distance. I've heard a lot of things about a lot of those games, so yeah, this is where it started. Wait, this was the first Might and Magic, correct? That was the third one. In 91? Yep. Holy shit. Well then, I stand corrected. <laughs> Thank you for that. Well, actually, it was the third in the series. Yep. Uh, a couple games I could talk about just for a brief moment. Uh, I'm not a big Simpsons fan to this uh, to this day. Uh, it's I, I watched it as a kid because it was there on the TV, but it's gotten kind of way way old for me. But back in the day, I did have and played through the majority of the Simpsons: Bart versus the Space Mutants and the Simpsons: Bart versus the World. For some reason, I had both of these at the mm-hmm. same time. I want to say this may have been one of the first few batches of games I ever had for the NES. Uh, side-scrolling, platforming, uh, it's it's Simpsons-themed. And I remember the platforming of this game being garbage. <laughs> but I remember playing it because it was, again, one of those few games that I even had. So I played through them. And I remember getting frustrated at the at the physics and controls on that game and uh yeah i had a lot of bullshit deaths and yeah yeah i played them yeah but so let me back up a little bit two two games one i just saw and i completely forgot about this game not as in i forgot the game itself i just forgot what the name of it was but popful mail is a sega cd game um, I believe I'm trying to look at the years specifically because I think it was a PC game in 91 and then came to Sega CD later. Uh, I don't know when later, but I played it on Sega CD and this was a uh, side scrolling RPG uh, Metroidvania type game. Um, I don't regrettably remember a whole lot about it, but I do remember this is one of the uh, Sega CD games I first played, uh-huh. um, mainly because it's an RPG, and that's you know been my thing from the start. Uh, it didn't it didn't stick with me like Lunar did, which I'm 
I don't even know when that came out, so hopefully I haven't missed it. Uh, but it should be around this time frame, if not next year. Uh, but it was a it was an interesting uh, approach to things because it was a two D platform game, but it also had that RPG leveling up. So yeah. it, was a, it was a bit of a mix from the traditional top down that I had been used to up to this point. Hmm. Okay. The other game, uh, Road Rash. Um, this was the, I want to say this was the Genesis version, the original one. So that was one we had talked about when we were talking about uh, Sega games. This The original Road Rash came out this year? Yeah. Oh, 91 man. was one of the big years for Sega Genesis, uh, I think. Half the games I have open still are for Genesis. Um, it it came out in North America. The Sega Genesis did in '89, but it wasn't really uh, heavily. I don't know what the correct word to use. You know, a lot of games didn't come out and stuff until around this '91 time frame when yeah. you get Road Rash and then a few other games. I'm sure we'll talk about momentarily. Um, yeah <laughs> but yeah so uh road rash we talked about it on the genesis episode it was a uh a, a racing game with motorcycles but you had the additional mechanics of uh trying to beat up your competition knocking yep. your opponents off the bikes trying not to get knocked off yourself and avoiding vehicles and whatnot it was you know essentially a street race very fun. Mm-hmm. A lot, lot of time spent and not a lot of time actually just racing, but just seeing how much carnage you could cause. Yep. If if the racing aspect puts you off, then just just going around and bashing the fuck out of other people, ba- trying to bash the cops, as bad as that sounds, mm-hmm. just trying to create havoc and sink. You know, running through all the weapons, seeing what all weapons that you do get in that game and yeah, a lot of uh, less. It, I tried to get more comp- competitive about that game the more I went through it, but just kicking other bikers and getting into <laughs> chains was more fun to me. <laughs> yeah, there's. I'm like, there's something there. That that right there. That that needs to be a thing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I guess well, we can roll into the next game, which I know we have some things to say about. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yep. The the mascot character for the Sega Genesis, for the Sega franchise as a whole. First game started right here in 1991. I don't know what we need to say about Sonic, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what we need to say that or can say that hasn't been said, but... Folks, it's a, it's a side-scrolling platforming game. Uh, the idea is speed. Um, I guess we could, you know, something we could talk about right now about this game, Chris, What's is up? this game was all about, and this was this was uh, Sega's big fucking push in this era, anyways. The yeah. whole blast processing, all that bullshit, is that when you want fast, you come to the Sega Genesis. I'll tell you. When I, I, I've played through most of these Sonic games in the past three or four years, 
And I, I forget who it was that even put this. Somebody made a video on YouTube, and they made all this like a very concise uh, criticism of the Sonic franchise. Is that there's a lot of fucking slow shit in this game, man. Yeah. There are a lot of levels that, okay, okay. Everybody knows Sonic the Hedgehog, the Green Hill Zone. Everybody yeah. knows Act that. Act 1, That's the first a classic. Act 1, <laughs> exactly. When you think Sonic the Hedgehog, generally, when you think of a level design, you think of that one. That thing has been done and redone, has been remastered. Uh, it's been seen across many faces. It's been a fucking stage in Smash Brothers, I think. It's been made in 3D. Yeah. It's been a secret unlock in Sonic uh, Adventure 2. This this is the thing that people know. When you think back to Sonic, you think of the Green Hill Acts, Green Hill Zone Act 1. There is a lot of speed in Sonic Green Hill, Sonic uh, uh, Green Hill Zone Act 1. There is. There's a lot of forward momentum. There's a lot of the pipes that run you around in loop-de-loops. There's a, little, a lot of the tunnels that you can go through. There's a lot of speed in it. I get that. But not only in other levels. It's also in the first level, too. There are a lot of times where you fucking smack into a wall. And the idea is for you to go left to right and kind of... You look like you're running, but you're really just walking around and jumping. But there are levels to where there is not that fucking run and, and sonic speed. No. There are a lot of levels like that. Water levels. So as, yeah, water levels. Sand the, levels. Sand levels, the, the fucking temple levels in Lava, Sonic 2. Yeah. The the idea that they were trying to sell to you, which they did sometimes, was speed, 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 go, go, go. Man, we can make this we have this processor and this fucking Genesis is so good that Sonic can run and go and he will go faster than the screen can keep up with him. And you're like, damn, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm looking at Mario, and yeah, he can fly fast, and yeah, he's got a meter in Sonic 3 that goes when you're running fast. Yeah, there's there's speed, but man, Sonic can go. He does. Sometimes. <laughs> hmm. The majority of the time in those games, you are not running at mock speed. You are not running everywhere. You are carefully platforming left to right, right to left, vertically, whatever. All that bullshit aside, all that negative shit aside, you got Sonic the Hedgehog. This is a classic Sega game, folks. Mm -hmm. You know you've played this. You know you liked it. There's, there's, it's, it's colorful. It has catchy tunes, catchy yep. music. It, it has good level design, uh, mostly good level design. <laughs> it's got a, it's got a cute, charming little story. You know, the fucking for some reason the Robotnik doesn't does not like Sonic the Hedgehog and blah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, again, a pack-in game, which this is not. This is not nothing. This is nothing new. Uh, Nintendo had packing games. Nintendo would have Mario and Mario Three and Super Mario World. Well, Sega Genesis had, among other packing games, they had Sonic the Hedgehog, which is what they was mainly known for. Uh, Chris, yeah, talk to me about Sonic the Hedgehog, man. What are some cherished memories? What things can you spat about Sonic? You know, it's Sonic is one of those series, and I think one of the reasons that the first, you know, couple of levels are really ingrained in people's mind is that there was no saving. 
So when you were done for the day, you started over. Um, and this is one of those games where, at least I did, I played the first few levels, I don't know how many times. You know, I only saw the later levels rarely. You know, that was like an all-day marathon session. Uh, I say all day. You know what I mean. Getting to that point where you'd even see the later levels. Yeah. Um, but instead just replaying the first few over and over. And the first zone, very good. You know, you have that speed. And yeah, you have a couple spots where if you if you don't have the level memorized, you're going to have a lot of stops. You know, you're going to hit this rock and have to stop. Or you're going to hit this wall and have to stop. But it's it's kind of interesting if you watch like speedrun strategies for the game, you can go fast throughout pretty much every level uh, for a majority of it. There are exceptions, of course, like I said, the sand levels where you have to wait on it to move or the water levels where you're waiting on fans, you know, environmental stuff that you absolutely have to wait on. But like the first zone, yeah, you could zip through it. Um, I was looking through the wiki on it while you were talking about uh, something that amused me was you have a 10-minute time limit on a, on an act. Shouldn't... 10 minutes. Sonic? 10 minutes. That's kind of ridiculous. You're supposed to be going fast. So I, I don't think I've ever hit the time limit on a level. Ever. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a bit extreme. Um, yeah. Did, yeah. Did this one have a special level to it? Or no? A special level. Yeah. You mean uh, like if you collect? uh, It did. uh, If if I remember right, this is the one that had the the ring at the end. uh, I I don't remember how you get to it, and that's that sounds horrible. I'm sorry. I don't remember how you got to it, but the special stage in this one was uh, you're in this you're in like this cross shaped thing with. I want to say gems all around and the thing is constantly rotating and you have to, you're in ball form. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Thank God. Yeah. This one. And this one was where if you finished a level or reached the end of an act, uh, that didn't have a boss with 50 rings, a large ring would appear and you could jump through it and it'd take you to a stage. And yeah, you'd have to bounce off bumpers and walls, uh, and to, to find the chaos emerald which was your main objective in the game, which is funny because you didn't actually have to get them to beat the game. These were in a special level, Mm -hmm. uh, a special bonus level instead of actually being in the main levels as part of the, you know, plot. But uh, if you collect them, um, you get the better ending. If you don't, then you don't, you know, it's, uh, but you have, it's, like I said, it's interesting that it's not something that you can just access. You had to have the coins for it. And certain levels, that wasn't easy to do. Yeah. Uh, the thinking of the uh, fire levels in particular, I don't think there, I don't know if there were, I'm sure there were in one. Uh, it's hard to remember what levels are in which Sonic. Because uh, I played one, two, three, and Knuckles a ton. So yeah. they all kind of bleed together. Uh, yeah. But depending on the game, and I'm sure one had at least one or two or one level of each type, uh, 
but the fire levels were particularly brutal if you didn't have the fire shield. Yeah. Uh, and the sand levels would just murder you with uh, not being able to go anywhere at times. Yeah. It, it, they'll always have a place in my heart. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I played through a solid portion of the Sonic franchise as a whole, and this was the first. And, again, just retreading an old story, this was one of the first Sega Genesis games I ever played as well through a random, awesome, fucking cool dude in my youth going, yeah, here, let me fucking hook this Sega Genesis up. Here's a controller, kid. Have fun. Pats me on the head and goes about his life. And I'm, like, in awe. <laughs> so, uh, Sonic, in general, will always hold a place in my heart. Uh, and this was the first. Released in 1991, again, most popularly well-known for it being a packing game with the Sega Genesis as a whole. Uh, Sonic has had a rough life, I'll give you that. He's had a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but this was the first one. Uh, Let me just ramble off my last three for the S's, Chris, and I'll let you have it. Okay. Because I know you have some S's as well. Uh, Super, I'm sorry, Street Fighter 2, The World Warrior. This is specifically the arcade version. Yeah. Just want to throw this one out there just because this as well is the start of a well-known thing, well-known franchise. Yes, there was a Street Fighter before Street Fighter 2. Yes, there was. There was a legit one. It's not well-known, rarely talked about. It's Street Fighter 2 that started a motherfucking phenomenon in the fighting franchise, in the fighting world. Yeah. And this was the first one on arcades in 1981. I will say I played it a few times. There was actually a local thrift store that had this game in the front, and I played it a few times. It was never good at fighting games, especially back then. I mostly played this game when it came out for the Super Nintendo, but just want to throw it out there. This was the first. Uh, Super Castlevania 4, I've only ran through this game in its entirety one time. I did like all of the additional things that this brought to the table, uh, especially with the graphics and the music. That's that's always going to be a thing with these upgraded games. Uh, the the rotating levels, were, that was pretty cool. The way the bosses were designed, this all, all, all this shit that uses this, uses this Mode 7 graphics stuff was pretty cool. Uh, it's more Castlevania that it's more the old Castlevania, not so much the ca- the uh, the uh, Metroidvania stuff that we know today. Really good game. Enjoyed it. Had a good time. Kind of about the same thing I'm going to say for Super Goals and Ghosts. Uh, by this point in my life, I had well been beyond, have played and have beat uh, Ghosts and Goblins for the NES. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was definitely a, a little bit, it was definitely an upgrade. Uh, better, better graphics, same feel, same gameplay, same, the, the, it felt the same, but you had more power-ups now, you had more armor power-ups, uh, different graphics also, I, th- I, th- I think there was a little bit of Mode 7 stuff in it, uh, cool area, uh, different, definitely cool area designs, I specifically remember the, toward the beginning of the game, there was a area where, there was you were jumping in a in a of course in a platform situation you were jumping over logs in what seemed like an ocean maybe a river i mean a lake or something like that and these waves would come splashing over your character from the 
background of the screen to the foreground of the screen, and you had to be uh, sitting, you had to be situated underneath like a rock or something, and if you weren't, the tide would wash you away. Stuff like that was pretty cool. Uh, not as hard as Ghosts and Goblins. I don't believe it was. I think I've ran through that game a couple times, but that Super Castlevania Four definitely games that were. I mean, they're 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 known staples for the uh, the SNES. I believe. Um, I think both of those games were on the SNES Classic. I have to double check on that, but. Yeah, just good games in the S department. I figured I'd give the give them both a little shout out. Uh, Chris. Yeah. So in the S is the other one for me is Streets of Rage. Um, I really started on Streets of Rage three, but I I talked about it previously. I did go back and play uh, Streets of Rage. I played all three. I played uh, all three again, and one not terrible um, back then. It probably wouldn't hold up to, you know, your uh, Double Dragon and Battletoads and all that at that point. I think they were more fun overall, but it was a good basis for uh, what turned into, I think, three, you know, was the best of the series. And they, yeah, they all had to start somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think it was a good start. Side scrolling, beat him up. Yeah. I I don't think I played. I think I played a Streets of Rage. I just don't remember which one. Probably three. It might have been three. Yeah, but uh, never to completion. I don't even think I beat the first area. I don't. I <laughs> again can respect it from afar. I've only. Only in the past decade or so have I heard the actual popularity of this game. Like, apparently people really love the Streets of Rage games. I just, I never, I never caught on to that fever. I never caught that fever from other people also. But, yeah, it's definitely a noteworthy game in the beat-em-up genre. That's for damn sure. Speaking of beat-em-up genre... Uh, if do you have any other S's by the way? Before I nope. segue again for like, damn, I'm, I'm like I'm fucking super segue <laughs> guy over here. Super segue S. I need another. I need an S name, Chris. Super segue Steve. No, I'm not Steve. Sucker. Super segue sucker. I'll. You know what, Chris? <laughs> After killing my fucking character last night, I'll give you that. You one. didn't die. You went unconscious. You're right. You don't die. You, go you immediately got brought back. Yeah, I think, all right, correct me if I'm wrong, though, it's a side tangent, D&D yeah. tangent. So in D&D, when you go unconscious, you have three turns to make a death save? So you make a, every round that comes up while you're unconscious, you make a saving throw. If mm -hmm. you fail three times, you die. If you succeed three times, you go back to being conscious. Okay. What if, oh, okay. So whichever one of those comes first. Yes. Right, okay. If you roll now, one, that counts as two losses. If you get a 20, you uh, immediately, immediately come, come back up. Yeah. Chris, what happens when you die-die? Rip, unless someone has a resurrection spell. Resurrection spell, or they t t take your body somewhere? Yeah. To maybe? Theoretically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right, so Chris, why don't you go ahead and get me a resurrection spell, please? <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to need it. Oh, I'll add uh, that to the uh, loot table. Yeah. 
speaking of beat 'em up games, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, Super yeah. Nintendo game came out in 1991. I believe this game. I'm gonna cross my fingers and I'm not looking this one up. I want to say this game came out first on the arcade. Correct. Bingo. And this is just the SNES. Actually, I think... 91 was actually the arcade. Okay. Uh, 91 was was 92. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, ah, okay. So that clears the confusion that I was having. Because I remember the game title as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 Turtles in Time. That is the title of the SNES title. For some reason that well of course yeah 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 because when I saw go ahead there's three the Manhattan Project yeah uh and two was uh I I the arcade game there was one two the arcade game three the Manhattan Project four Turtles in Time but I always remember that four and then when I was looking this up. When this came across my screen on a Wikipedia page, I said, "Where's the four? I clearly that's wrong, and I clicked the I clicked the link which showed me the picture, and it didn't have four in the picture, and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> but so the turtle game, the arcade turtle game, was just turtles in time. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, nerdy dumb bullshit aside, that don't matter. This, uh, yeah, uh, side scrolling beat 'em up game. Notable for being multiplayer. You can have four turtles at the same time playing this game. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, really fucking awesome, just fun action gameplay. Uh, I can hear the music, and I'm not going to do it right now, but I can hear the fucking theme music. I can hear the different level musics in my head right now. Uh, Some pretty cool gimmicks. I think, now, I have to go double check this. I remember the SNES version having... Uh, it was taking advantage of the mode seven bullshit where you there was a stage later on. I think it was in the shredder level or the uh the technodrome level where you could take foot soldiers and th- or maybe you could do this anywhere. Ah, man, it's been a while, but you could take enemies and fling them around and then throw them at the screen. I remember that being a thing. Uh, you can I mean you pick up pizza for health. You have you have uh, I think every turtle had. Why the fuck did I say that like it was a fucking bullet on the back of the box? You could pick up pizza <laughs> and heal yourself in a Ninja Turtles game. Cool, right, kids? Cowabunga. <laughs> uh, I think all the tur- they, they, the turtles had different special moves they could do. Like, I think Raphael could spin with his blades out in like a, like a hurricane-type move. Hmm. Um... God, I feel like I hate being so, talking so fucking ignorant about this game because I played it a lot. I definitely, I definitely played it a lot on the Super Nintendo, but I mean, really upbeat, charming, fun side-scrolling beat 'em up, Ninja Turtles theme. All the a lot of enemies that you know were there, a lot of characters that you, that you know were there. Uh, just fun, man, and especially with it being four players mm-hmm. in an arcade situation, four people on the same screen gets hectic and it gets very fun yeah that's what i remember most about uh ninja turtles is playing it in the arcade like at the skating rink is one of the biggest Mm. places i think i played it at uh they had an arcade in there and just load in a bunch of quarters and everybody group around and play it 
Tiny Toon Adventures is the only other T that I have. I, this is another one of those games that I rented a lot as a kid. I didn't, unfortunately, I never bought it, which always put me in a time constraint. And I remember this game being, it has some difficult spikes here and there. Uh, I don't think I ever actually beat this game. I got pretty far. I wish I could tell you where, but uh, side-scrolling, platforming, you notice this is always a theme with me. But I love side-scrolling platforming games. And this, I mean, it was set around a, they put a uh, Tiny Toon Adventures theme around everything. But it was more just, they were just characters there for show. You could, you could really have anybody. It's side-scrolling platforming. Uh, I remember picking up carrots. I remember jumping on enemies and then making this weird sound when they, and they like, they make, you know, when they, in cartoons, when they show like enemies fighting or like cats and dogs fighting it's always that cloud yeah. it's like puffing around yeah for some reason when you jumped on enemies in this game that's what it looked like so <laughs> you jumped on it but it looks like it's fighting i guess it's <laughs> fighting itself i don't fucking know that's a stupid fucking point to bring up anyway the game was fun it it was good action pla- good platforming a few unique levels. It had like a swim. It had an underwater level where you played as Plucky, of course, because he's the duck. It had a. I don't remember the like type. It's literally like a bonus type level where you played the cat. I forget the cat's name, but there was the girl that was always chasing him and squeezing him too hard. I forget her oh, name. Oh yeah. And you were trying to get around the small area. She would all. She would chase you around this small room. And if you stayed away from her long enough, you got the bonus or bonus points or whatever. Um, it was a notable game for me because I, I spent probably like a total of $30 renting that game over a course of time. <laughs> and I never beat it, but I did have fun playing it. That's all I got for the tease, man. Yeah, I actually had looked at Tiny Toon Adventures, but that wasn't the one that I played. The one I played was a Game Boy game. And that'll uh, be in a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to talk for a brief moment. I, w- I, w- I want, I want the audience and you as well, Chris, cause you have a glorious imagination. This will come into play as a DM, mind you. Uh, I want you to put yourself in a, in a, in a space and time in your life, everybody. I want you to think, imagine yourself as a young teenage boy, 11, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that. You know about comic books, okay? You know you're not completely well-versed in the comic book era. You've bought some comics from time to time. You have about 10 or 20 of your own. You've read through most of them. You think X-Men are pretty cool. You think comic book characters are pretty cool. Imagine you, you go out to rent a game one day, and you see on the shelf this game called Wolverine, and you're like, hell yeah. It's a video game of that really cool character from the comic books. This has got to be great. You get home and it's a steaming pile of fucking garbage. (laughs) I'm going to give you all a pro tip that doesn't mean a damn thing today because nobody plays Nintendo these days. But if you ever itch to go play Nintendo games and then you have a further itch for some weird obscure reason to look at the companies that made the game before you play... If you see the letters, the letters L J N as the company name, 
Stay away. LJN was a garbage company in the Nintendo era. It was the Black Sheep Company back then. And they pumped out some very shitty games. And this was one of them. I'm going to give you two reasons without, without going over how shitty the platforming was and how shitty the music was and how shitty the, the gameplay itself was. You're fucking Wolverine in this game, folks. What is one of the signature things that Wolverine is known for? Having claws. Yeah. What's the other signature thing that Wolverine's known for? A healing ability. In this game, you don't have your claws out. And you're saying, whoa, whoa, that's not so. He has to pop them out. And I say, you know what, I'll give you that. I have to press a button in this game. This action game where Wolverine is going around these levels and fighting enemies. I have to push a button to pop my claws out. But that's not the killer. Every time that you slash an enemy with your claws out, you take a health damage. Figure that fucking shit out. Wolverine, hot piece of shit. <laughs> Wasted $2 renting this fucking piece of shit. Remember, I was so, as a kid, I, I, I could not articulate it back then the way I'm doing it now. Back then, as a kid, I was like, man, this is really dumb. I have to push a button to make my claws pop out, and then when I hit somebody with my adamantium claws, I take damage. Why am I taking damage at all? And why isn't that damage coming back to me over time? Because I have a healing factor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Garbage. I don't even I don't know whose idea that was, but stupid. Other W game I want to talk about just for a brief minute because I'm only this is one of those games that I'm working on loosely. Uh, Wonder Boy in Monsterland. I have never heard of this game, folks, ever. But it got a it got a remaster or a remake, and I want to say this was released either early this year or last year. I could be totally wrong there. It could be two or three years old. But uh, the new game is the one that I've played, and I'm mentioning it now because uh, it's 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 a pretty good remake. It's 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 it took. The 2D side-scrolling action sprite. It took all that 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 game is known for, and just gave it a different. It gave it a different face. It's it has almost like a hand-drawn cartoon look to it. Um, you could kind of think Cuphead, but not that style. Not the not the style that Cuphead was going for. Just the the way it was kind of hand-drawn. Uh, it keeps the physics of the NES game intact. So the jumping may a little may a little the jumping may be a little bit off for you, a little off putting as well. But they've animated the character to make the, the style fit. So it has that old school control, but a new school look to it. And on the fly, you can change not on the fly, but through a through, via a menu that's like a start button away or whatever, you can change the music the sound effects and or the graphics to the NES style just like that so you can play the game with the upgraded graphics but the old school music and then and the old school sound effects however you want to play it it's a mixture of all three and i thought it was very unique and i wanted to mention the the first game because i never heard of that game the, i came across the wonder boy game on steam and I was like, hey, this game looks interesting. I watched a little trailer for it. 
Uh, it's a little side-scrolling, a little bit of old-school stuff, but uh, it's charming. Looks cool. Oh, yeah, by the way, dude, you know this game came out in fucking 1991? Whoa. No, I didn't. I've never heard of this game before. So I just want to mention it. Uh, it's interesting. You could, I would say go play the NES version, but hell, just get the Wonder Boy in Monster, Monster Land for Steam. It's got, you basically have both versions there and variations of it. Okay, so this is, that's the first one in the series. Mm-hmm. The, in 2017, uh, Wonder Boy The Dragon's Trap, which is the third one, was a remake. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. first one, Wonder Boy, had a remake called Wonder Boy Returns for in 2016. Uh, okay. And it's for Windows and PS4. Interesting. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to run through my Steam list and see which one I have. Wonder Boy The Dragon's Trap is the one I have. Okay. So okay. that was the well, remake of the third one. Well, fuck me running. Nope, that's okay. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but Monster, I'm sorry, Monster Hunter. Apparently, I have a game I want to play, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wonder Boy and Monster Land. That's the first in the series, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, then that's that's what that's where I'm oh, going wait, with no. this, folks. Then no, hold on. Oh, oh, the it, rabbit hole goes so, deeper. No, Wonder Boy Returns came out in 2016. Holy and the third shit. game in the Monster World subseries. Uh, Wonder Boy 1986 in the arcade. The first three. There are two games labeled three. So apparently the first three were in the arcade. And then there was another Wonder Boy 3. The Dragon Strike, the one that you were playing the remake of, was in 89. Wow. Yeah, so it's actually the fifth one. So what we're getting at here, folks, huh. is I have absolutely no reason to be talking about this game at all. <laughs> well, it's loosely based. I mean, it's close in the series to the game that I'm playing right yeah, now. It's relevant to something you're playing. Let's talk about Yoshi for a hot second. <laughs> all right. Uh, last game on my list that I was going to talk about is Yoshi. Uh, this it's It's a puzzle game. With a Yoshi theme around it. By this point, Yoshi has already been introduced into the franchise via Super Mario World in 1990. And for some reason, they wanted to stick him on a game. They didn't really know what to stick him on. Instead (laughs) of giving him his own platformer game, they said, let's put him in a puzzle game. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a tile matching, sort of. You have four columns that the shapes fall onto, and you have to match the shapes up. And you, you can go underneath the columns and turn them to swap places that way the falling pieces can fall where you want them to fall and there you go pretty fun game i played it for a little while it was it was whatever it's a puzzle game didn't love it didn't hate it. it's whatever but i want to talk about it because i played it so there you go yoshi gave you a solid shot out yeah here's something interesting you know i didn't even know this game existed i don't think uh maybe i saw it in passing but on the wiki, it says it sold 500,000 copies in its first day on sale. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's selling the Yoshi brand, man. You got to think this is back again. This is back when Yoshi was first announced and first sure. around. Yeah. And he's it's got the whole, you know, here's a new character in the Mario universe. He's a dinosaur. Oh, he's got his own game. Oh, well, yeah. I wonder how many disappointed kids there were with that. Again, I'm not, I'm not bashing the game. 
That's that. That's not what I meant by that. What I mean is, if you play Super Mario World, yeah, you're Mario riding a fucking dinosaur. Yeah, you like, weren't expecting Yay! a, you were expecting yeah. a platformer or whatever, not a puzzle game. Hopefully, you read the back of the box, or your parents read it to you, and Probably you were not. like, "Yeah, shut up, mom. It's got Yoshi. Give it." And you get home, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> So I think that's it for the 91 list, Chris, unless you have any other ones that I've rambled over and you didn't get to mention. Uh, two more that I didn't actually play, but just to mention because of their Perfect. impact or whatever. Toad, sure, they belong. Toe Jam and Earl. It's the first yes. one in that series. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Came out on Sega Genesis. Uh, I played the sequel of it, uh, Panic mm-hmm. on Funkatron. Um, fun little game. Uh, the other really big one is... There's an Ultima game that came out that year. It yeah. It was the... This is Worlds of Adventure 2, but I don't... It's not the second one. This is going to be one of those things that's... There's like eight of them, but they're like sub-series, like the one we were just talking about was. Yeah. But Ultima's a, one of those huge uh, game series, franchises, uh, especially yeah, when it peaked with Ultima Online later on. Yeah, it's definitely worth uh, pointing out. Yeah, I, I hate I hate being the downer, but I've never played. I haven't played either one of those. I've heard a lot of things about Ultima. Apparently, Ultima is a big, shiny beacon franchise. Uh, more power to it. I just haven't played. Yeah, one. I I had someone that wanted me to play Ultima online and try it because we were playing other MMOs at the time, and. I'm sure it was an experience back then, but it doesn't hold up. Yeah. It had it had decent systems overall as far as, you know, MMO goes, but it just it didn't hold up. Well, folks, I think that's it. We got another year wrapped up, which also means in coming episodes there is going to be a game of the year end of time podcast style for 91 yep but before we get to that or even just to tell us what you think about your game i'm just getting a little ahead of myself in the episode there <laughs> um what games did we not talk about in 1991 that you played and feel deserve some mention hey this is your platform just as good as it is ours mention it if you think it should be talked about tell us about it we'll tell them for you uh and any games that we talked about that you have further input on or would like to discuss or whatever man let us know we love to hear feedback from anybody in our wonderful audience i know it's rough with you know seventy six hundred thousand of you out there emailing us but uh i'm sure your email will get through if you email us <laughs> Uh, what do you think of Monster Hunter World? Hey, here's a big open can for you, folks. What did your What are your thoughts on Dungeons and Dragons? Do you have any interest in playing it? Have you had any curiosity? Do you think that's dumb nerd shit? Whatever you want to say about that topic, we'd love to hear about it. And ah, uh, fuck, Chris, what was the first game you said you played? What was the game game you were playing? Persona Five. Persona Five. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, we played that game uh, probably a little probably around a year late so it's okay if you want to talk to us a few episodes late we'll steer anything that you folks want to talk about you can shoot it to us uh several ways one is 
through Facebook. We have a Facebook page, The End of Time Cast. That may be how you got to this episode today. You can put something on our wall. You can send us a message. However, man, we, we love to hear from you. We have an email if you want to go through that avenue. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. Again, endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny numbers in there. It's just spell it as you heard it. Uh, we have a Twitter page. Just search Twitter for End of Time Cast. You'll find us there as well. We'd love to be tweeted at sometime soon. Any kind of format you want to use, just let us know what you think. Love, hate, whatever. We'll all take it in consideration. And it, again, at this point, you're probably going to get it read on the podcast and get it discussed by the awesome Chris and the wonderful Michael, <laughs> who is the, what did I say I am? The super segue sucker now? Yeah. Yeah, I feel a t-shirt coming on. <laughs> That's going to do it tonight, folks. Until next time, I am Michael. I'm Chris. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>